Welcome to the bomb hole presented by Pub Beer. Now, first things first, the people want to know, Stony Buds. How are we doing? So good, my dog. Oh, that one rolled off the tongue nicely, buds. <laughs> that was a nice one. Had to throw a good one out for Bodeman. <laughs> to my left, we have the Bodeman, a.k.a. Bodie Merrill in the booth. Bodie, how are we doing today? Um, I want to say I'm doing so good, but <laughs> actually, <laughs> my anxiety's through the roof right now. Hearing that intro is pretty extreme, man. My heart's racing. It, it gets, gets real. Going, it huh? gets yeah. real. It gets real. It well, gets the blood going. For the <laughs> listeners that are unfamiliar with Bodie, uh, I'm going to do, it's a little weird because I got to kind of kiss his ass right now and he's my friend, so I feel a little bit weird about doing this intro. But here we go. Bodie Merrill is an icon that is massively responsible for the progression of our sport. He is two-time rider of the year. He's world quarter pipe champion. He's an X Games gold medalist in both real street and real backcountry. He's got countless revolutionary video parts, pro model boards, founder of the Merrill Mini Pipe Invitational, and is one of the most well-rounded riders snowboarding has ever seen. He may have the deepest video part resume out of any snowboarder alive as far as all aspects of snowboarding, from Big Mountain, Alaska, street riding, massive backcountry kickers, one-footers, park riding, and mini shredding. Bodie Merrill can do it all, folks. It's going to be a fun episode. Bodie's a dear friend of mine, and uh, we go way back. So, Bodie, let's get into it. First things first. You got a little mantra I've heard you say a lot over the years. Uh, go fast, take chances, you can't get hurt in the air. Do you want to explain that um, technique to people? Uh, <laughs> first of all, thank you for that intro. That was uh, well thought out and said, and I appreciate you, and I appreciate that. Um, Thanks, bud. Yeah, um, that is an old mantra of mine. I like to say you can't get hurt in the air. Um, but I've actually proven myself wrong <laughs> in that regard the older I get. Um, but for, you know, more often than not, it's true. Uh, but yeah, as soon as you get airborne, um, that's when... Actually, this is this is hard. Uh, I have to think about this first. <laughs> have you ever been hurt <laughs> yeah. in the air? Have you hurt yourself in the air? Because it sounds like yeah. you have. Yeah, maybe you have. <laughs> I mean, not like a legitimate injury, but I've you know uh, maybe tweaked pulled the, the grab. Ligament? Yeah, yeah like... I pulled the grab a little too hard and been like, oh, that kind of like tweaked my muscle right there. Uh, so I wouldn't say I actually got hurt, but you know, it didn't feel good. It could happen though, I guess. Yeah, technically. Um, but I do like to go fast and take chances because if you're not taking chances, you're not trying, you're not pushing yourself. And, uh, you know, you might as well try your hardest in the air because you're not going to get hurt there. You're going to get hurt on landing. But if you're doing all right in the air, usually you're not going to get hurt upon landing. So, Oftentimes said right before you do something stupid to your, I'm going to do something stupid. Well, you can't get hurt in the air. I love that. (laughs) Well, let's go back to your roots. And I think a lot of people think you're from Utah, but you're not originally, correct? Um, correct. Yeah. Most people think I am from Utah or the East coast. A lot of people used to think I was from the East coast, uh, cause I ran with all you guys. Uh, but yeah, I'm from Santa Cruz, California, um, Bay area and grew up there, you know, pretty much just, uh, skating super early. I was a skate punk rolling around the streets of Santa Cruz. So yeah. what, what age, um, did you leave California? 
Um, thirteen. Okay, so you were roaming the streets as a young, the yeah, streets, mm-hmm. young man. The streets with of skateboard. Santa Cruz. Yeah. The streets. Did I say streets? Uh, no, but you could have. I could. I should have. Well, this brings us to a guest question from none other than your dad. Wow. AKA Backcountry Bob, an absolute legend. Let's give him an air horn before we get. I, I've once heard Bodie say, "My dad's a lot cooler than me." <laughs> That's I stand debatable. by that. That's debatable. Here we go. Hey, buddy. It's your dad here. I'm asking you a question about your experience. The first time you went snowboarding, do you remember what occurred? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I, I I do remember it. I don't know what, what your account of it is, but, uh, yeah, I think I was 13. You took me to, um, it was the canyons, or I think it was uh, Wolf Mountain at the time. Um, rented a snowboard and I was so excited because growing up skateboarding, um, I was just so excited, you know, getting into the snow, obviously I want to be a snowboarder. Um, so I was so excited that I had all the gear, went to the bunny slope and I think I just left you in the dust, um, and just got on the lift and I was like, peace, babe. And, uh, got to the top and I think you're probably yelling at me, but (laughs) I just was, um, yeah, so I just strapped in and just pointed it down the mountain, but I didn't know what I was doing. So I didn't know how to turn, stop, anything. But I started going, picking up speed, got to the bottom of the hill and was going right towards the lift line. And uh, my only instinct, I guess, was to fall over to stop. But I slid underneath everyone in the lift line and uh, somebody holding their snowboard under their arm um, slit my lip open. And <laughs> I think you got down to the bottom of just this scene. I was probably crying, bloody, and you're like, what? hell are you doing um so yeah that was my first experience ever snowboarding went to the er got some stitches <laughs> um but i i i wanted to keep doing it obviously i think i wanted to go next day i was like yeah let's get back out there i was hooked that's what your pop said absolutely now i have this theory about Bodie of why he's a freak on a snowboard really now i, I don't know Bodie. you can tell me if i'm right or wrong about this but you grew up skateboarding like a maniac, right? And then as you got a little older, you basically spent all your time at Park City Skate Park. You know, you had all the tricks at a young age. And then your dad was saying you're a trampoline addict. He's like, I've never seen anybody jump on the trampoline as much as Bodie. So you got some air awareness. You got some tramp skate skills. And then he did some ski jumps into water. He did aerial skiing skeet, around skeet. age nine. He was doing flips. So he got that air awareness. Ah. And then his dad's backcountry Bob, who's done a bunch of first descents and stuff and like romps around the mountains and is like a guide. And so you take all of that cauldron of childhood Bubbling and then cauldron. you get you got yourself fucking the Bodazafa over here. Bodazafa, I have a different theory. What's your I want to hear your theory. <laughs> I have a different theory. I, I've also <laughs> spent some time with Bodie. And anyone who spent some time with him knows when he was a child, he may have been abducted by aliens. Oh, true. He says after he had this crazy dream about being abducted, he never dreamed again, but he remembers being abducted, and they might have implanted something in him and created Bodhisattva. Bodhi. Uh, that, is a, that is a theory. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of so different it's theories. A, maybe it's both of those it, together. Yeah. I think that's what we got. It could uh, be an inhuman creation. Yeah. I still don't dream. You still don't dream. See, that's, that's crazy. So let's talk about I this probably alien. dream. I just never don't remember. remember. I want to hear about this alien situation. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Tell us about the experience. I was I was pretty young. I don't know, five, six, seven, something like that. Um, and I don't even really have that many memories from being that young. But I remember this one dream where I was, uh, it was like really bright white. And I was, 
on this full metallic like room and with like these weird figures going on and they were I don't know it it's obviously been like 30 years since that dream um so I don't really know all the all the details of it um but it was trippy man I, st- I still have this like weird ingrained memory of like alien shit going on yeah it's stuck and, with you yeah, all these years that's all crazy these years and uh but yeah I couldn't tell you the facts of it at this point but that was uh that was like the last time I can remember like a vivid dream so then so that's it you, had, you got some aliens and then you got some and then talk about that doing the aerial ski jumps as a kid because that to me is <laughs> that's incredible that's some wild <laughs> shit right there have you guys ever jumped on an aerial skiing trampoline that they have at the sports park no they're the most insane trampolines ever. You, see, you, you can, can go, go three too. times higher than any normal trampoline. Um, so that probably helped a lot for my air awareness. Jumping on the tr- tramp in general for, for kids out there and just messing around, it helps with anything you want to do. <laughs> You've told me this after <laughs> I've had some bad jump sessions where I, yeah. things aren't coming around my feet. And Bodie one time was like, you should maybe try going to the jumping on trampolines and working on that air awareness. <laughs> You never jumped on one when you were young? I can't I can barely do a backflip on a trampoline. It's just but the snowboard it's a little bit easier. But anyway, sorry to keep going. Well, um yeah, so it was the winter sports park up in Park City. Uh did did some aerial skiing there uh when I was yeah, eight, nine years old, jump on the tramp, jump into the water. Um there's a little funny story when I was nine. Uh it was the first time I wanted to try backflip. I had never done a backflip besides on a trampoline. Um I didn't even tried to snowboard yet or anything, but, um, yeah, <laughs> the coaches were like, uh, I don't know if you're ready. Cause I was doing front flips and they were like, yeah, just hold off for a while. And I got up there and the plan was to do a front flip. And I was like, fuck this. I'm going to do a backflip. I got to do the backflip. And, uh, so I went down and just chucked it way too hard. I probably initiated the flip like in the flat bottom <laughs> and, uh, flip back, uh, hit my head on the lip <clears throat> And got knocked out. It was like <laughs> it was like I got hit by a tranquilizer dart <laughs> like in midair, just your, limp. Like, your ski was probably full MFM, yeah. just yeah. chilling. Sleeper yeah. ski. <laughs> it was kind of like uh, Easton jumping off that that rock in the uh, bomb hole skit. <laughs> just, <last year>. just, <laughs> just gone limp. <laughs> just, uh, uh, yeah, but then uh, hit the water. Had to get rescued by. Uh, <laughs> Were you by still knocked out when you got in the water? Um. I think so. Yeah, yeah. and that's why well, I came to when they were like pulling me out. And wow, like coming to rescue me. But so this could be another factor in the cauldron that makes mm-hmm. Bodie the Bodie's off. We're we're dissecting it right now. This is a full dissection. This is a full dissection. You went full crash test, dummy. Mm-hmm. So then you find snowboarding. You cut your lip open, but almost immediately. And then <laughs> at, at what at what point do you start? You know, getting sponsors and doing contests, and who kind of supported you at the beginning, and, and kind of made you realize you could maybe do something with it. Um, yeah, uh, snowboarding came pretty quick to me at the beginning. Not the, uh, I wouldn't say the fundam- fundamentals came <laughs> that quickly, but I was pretty much fearless. I was trying to flip. I was trying to spin anything. Just I didn't care if I landed on my head. So like within the first two years of snowboarding, um, I got sponsored by Max, uh, Max Snowboard Shop, and they were at the base of Park City Mountain Resort. And uh, basically just, you know, I would just go up to the resort and snowboard after school and on the weekends and stuff and just became a shop kid, but just at the resort. And they were a rental shop. Um, And those guys, shout out to Max Snowboard Shop. Um, 
Andy, um, a bunch of the other homies who ran the shop. They're awesome. Uh, and they kind of took me under their wing and let me hang out at the shop and take me around the resort and push me to try crazy stuff. It was cool. It was a rental shop, so I could try anything that I wanted. So I was trying all the new gear and everything. And yeah, it was awesome. So, but they, uh, they eventually, uh, got me in contact with the local Burton rep, Jason Bowes, who, uh, started flowing me gear. So by the time I was 15, I was, uh, I was on the, uh, Burton rep program. And so shout out to Jason Bowes and, and those guys. Now, around that time, a lot of people might not know, kind of a bit of a heavier subject, but you kind of started going down a bit of a bad path, I remember. Do you want to talk about that? Um, sure, yeah. Uh, that was, yeah, soft, freshman, sophomore year of college, 16, 17. Co- high school, you mean? You said college. Yeah, you went to college? Uh, high school, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not go to college. Um <clears throat> But yeah, in high school, I uh, picked up some bad habits, ran with a bad crowd. Um, but yeah, started partying a lot and uh, got into uh, a bad cocaine habit pretty young. Um, and I guess uh, it's kind of hard to figure out where to start. Um, obviously, just obviously, it just started with high school parties, and and you just want to get fucked up and have a good time with all your friends. And then I don't know, like really soon after I started drinking, like I cocaine got (laughs) in the mix, like real quick. But my first experience with cocaine was freebasing it. And, um, which is unusual, I think. So, uh, that kind of, um, drug usage can kind of hook you. What is freebasing? Um, it is, uh, basically smoking it off tinfoil with baking. So it's sort of like crack. I guess, but not as extreme. Yeah. So, uh, that was my first experience into drugs and, uh, yeah, it hooked me pretty quick and I had a cocaine problem for a while. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, my, I don't know, I was bad, you know, <laughs> somebody <laughs> That's all took I was you doing. out your first time and was throwing foil and baking soda down Yeah, yeah was to like, like show, introduce cocaine to you. That's crazy. Yeah first intro into it that's wild yeah um yeah it is wild actually now that i look back at it yeah i'm like oh, I whoever did that was not a friend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I, I went downhill real quick dropped out of school um and all i did was you know party do that for a year and a half uh or so and so my parents obviously caught on quick and did some about it and Sent me to wilderness therapy. I went to a wilderness therapy program for a few months. And then from there, I went to um, a rehab program in Boulder, Colorado. That was arguably like the worst decision (laughs) because I was 17 when they sent me to that. And uh, it was not ready. It was an over 18 program. So it was pretty lax. Like they, they weren't, they couldn't legally, you know, hold you and tell you what to do and all this stuff. But it was. It was a therapy program where it was in-house, everyone lived together, but you get, you know, 20 troubled youth all living in the same house in Boulder, Colorado, mind you, on the hill, um, and uh, and we got into some 
<laughs> I yeah, tried for more people drugs that don't know, the hill is like a crazy party spot. That, yeah. yeah, there's all sorts of every type of hallucinogenic running around and yeah, party kids and <clears throat> yeah, we a were... great place to be alive at 17. Actually, <laughs> 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 they weren't yeah. like running, they're... like could, they weren't trying to control you guys and. They, we would do group therapy, and we had a um, we had a curfew, and they kept tabs on us. But you know, legally, there wasn't much they could do. They could scold us, they could, you know, talk to us, but they were there to guide us, not mm. you know. The the wild thing about this is, right, I talked to Backcountry Bob, and he said right after this, you went to Alaska with him, and yep. got dropped off on a glacier. For a week. And I'm like, well, I've known Bodie my whole life. You never fucking told me this. <laughs> t- t- let's talk about your dad taking you to AK right after this. Is that similar yeah. to the wilderness therapy where they take you outside? And is that what that was? My, like my dad, dad taking me to you his own version of it? Uh, no, well, I don't I don't think it was like therapy or anything. He just wanted to go on the trip with okay. me after, after I was, you know, quote unquote uh, clean. But you weren't clean, <laughs> right? No, I, I don't even know if they know how much like how much bad stuff I was doing in Colorado. They probably do, but, um, but yeah, wilderness therapy was, was a whole different program, but my dad had been going up to Alaska. He lived for that every spring. He would go up there on a ski trip and tour around, um, do a little bit of hallying and, uh, go mountaineering. And he wanted to take me. So when I got out of, uh, that program in Colorado, we went up and we got in a bush plane and flew out and camped for a week on this glacier out in the middle of nowhere and it was just me and him and we were touring every day and um hiking peaks and snowboarding and yeah it was it was pretty unreal for uh for a 17 year old kid to uh to have that experience so thanks pops that was were unreal. you stoked on it at the time or oh were hell you, like, yeah fighting it you were i stoked. was so stoked Sick. yeah i was i was having the time of my life some kids might have not been hyped because they're up there forced to be there with their dad or something yeah well i hadn't like just because i was partying and doing drugs a lot i hadn't lost my love for snowboarding or skateboarding or anything it was um it was still what i was planning on doing and what i wanted to do so after that program when he he took me he, out men- there. he also mentioned that you wrapped up the trip by going heli heliboarding yeah and Jeez. he was telling me some cool stuff because he was saying that the guides were where they're like, are you sure you want to take this 16, 17-year-old kid with you, Hellion? Are you sure you want to do this? And and he, your dad was like, you'll be all right. And then they watch Bodie take one run, and they're like, okay, Bodie's the strongest rider, so we don't need to worry about him. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's what, how your dad yeah. described it. Yeah, Hellion out there was unreal. It was the fastest I've ever gone up until that point. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I want to do this, you know. Sounds like you're pretty <laughs> naturally talented on the board, huh? I guess so. Because yeah. even that first day when you were riding and you split your lip, it sounds like you had no problem getting down the mountain like a lot of people do. Yeah, no, I, could, I had good balance. And, at the <laughs> well, I, I stepped on a skateboard for the first time when I was like four. Wow. Five. Or, I, it was, I was really young when I was growing up in Santa Cruz. Uh, these these kids, early 20, you know, cool kids had a mini ramp in, in, a, in their yard next door to us. And, uh, so I would go over there and bug the shit out of them and like kneel on their skateboards and pump back and forth. So ever since a young age, I, I got the balance down pretty quick. And then shortly after that, that's kind of when, uh, our crews like me and Scotty Stevens and, and Austin Granger and stuff cross paths with you. I think it was at Mount Hood, right? Yeah. It's crazy actually thinking about this, the timeline for all this stuff, because it all seems like it all happened in one year time, but there was so so much different crazy shit going on in my life. 
Yeah, yeah. Shortly after that, uh, went to Hood and met Granger at the, I, well, I was riding for Nitro at the time, and uh, staying at the Nitro house with uh, Tonino and Doman and Fildo and all, all that crew. Shout out to those guys. Um, and yeah, Granger was also on Nitro. And he brought all you guys out there. We all were staying at the Nitro house together at Hood, and that's when I met you guys. And me and Granger clicked, like, immediately. And uh, within two months after meeting each other, he uh, he moved out to Park City, and we moved in together. And uh, it was wild seeing Bodie at this point because we were from the East Coast, and, and we were seeing this guy, and, and he is doing, like, cab 10s on park jumps and doing not all kinds of 900s, and he's just a complete freakazoid out there. And uh, we, we hit it off pretty good. And then I feel like the first kind of major, uh, or at least the first film that we worked on was that It, it Ain't Easy video. It was pretty fun back in the day, right? Yeah, I remember I went on one trip with you guys prior to that for Firefight. Oh, yeah. I yeah. forgot about that. We yep. went to Tahoe. Yep. Firefight. I'm not familiar with that it's one. It's just the precursor to It Ain't Easy on EPI Films, the old East Coast video. Uh, so Bodie got linked in with the East Coast crew. Yeah, for a while, everyone was like, you're an East Coaster, That's right? That's why and I, I was like, thought that, huh? No, I just uh, just met all these guys, and they're my crew now. Yeah. I did get abandoned on the East Coast for a while, though. And uh, <laughs> Abandoned on the East? just left well, the East? I abandoned myself. I couldn't make it home um, and was living out there for a minute. <laughs> nice, wearing the East. <laughs> when, you won, when you won World Quarter Pipe Champion. That was how I got home. I drove out with Granger on the East Coast, and we were doing Last Call, Shop Showdown. Um, we drove up to Canada for the Shakedown. And we were there for like over a month and I ran out of money and I couldn't go home. And I was planning on going home well before the world quarter pipe championship. And, uh, but I couldn't make it. I was, I was broke and just like, we were like sleeping in Austin's Audi, just kind of cruising around eating scraps and, uh, Eating scraps for real. Well, like we were just like, oh, a bar here, like yeah. whatever here, like twenty bucks <laughs> in the pocket, maybe. Yeah, go go to like Burger King, get on the dollar menu, um, whatever. But we, uh, and then I heard that World Quarter Pipe Championship was coming back, and so I went there and somehow won, and uh, they gave me a metal briefcase uh, with a full of a thousand dollars worth of quarters quarters yeah it was, was a good so thing heavy to, that's dope that's a good thing to it give was you so hard to carry and you couldn't i couldn't spend it all in one place i took it to the bank and just like opened the briefcase and i was like hey can you exchange this and they laughed in my face and they were like hell no and they gave me like a stack of uh the rolls. Quarter, quarter sleeves they're like you know i'll bring them back when they're when these are full, I think it took me like twelve hours to like, put them all in the rolls. Back then, they probably didn't have those machines at the grocery yeah. store that takes handles your change for you. No, no. But uh, that thousand bu- uh, bucks uh, got me home. I never knew that story. That's awesome. Yeah. And then talking about it ain't easy. We, there's so many notable tricks, but uh, you know the ones that, that stand out when I went back and watched that one is you go to the library hub ledge here in Salt Lake. And you front board it and front board 270. And that was like, holy shit, this dude's on the map. Do you want to talk about those clips? Um, sure. Library Ledge um, is pretty iconic down flat, down ledge at the downtown library in Salt Lake City. Um, I don't know who was the first person to hit it, but I want to say Mikey might have been. He 50'd it back in the day. Maybe Love Hate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got like a huge drop on the right side. If you like go over it somehow and you fall like 20 feet to f- drive pavement. Um, but I o- always wanted to hit it after that shot of Mikey and I went there and, uh, 
it was so much smoother than I thought it was going to be. And I was like, oh, you can go sideways on this thing. Like maybe like, but that was like back in the day, like no, no, not a lot of people were like going sideways on just raw ledges. And I don't know if people were doing the rub brick yet and stuff, but it slid like a dream. Um, were you there? I wasn't there. No. Oh, well, shout out to Tim Ronan and Simon Larson for towing me into that thing for hours. It took me so long to commit to the front board because I was so scared of the, of the grit. But, uh, those guys, towed me in until like four in the morning or something um but yeah it worked pretty well so i don't know the timeline but one of the most notable first things of hanging out with you and in, in the we're going to call this the rise of bodie uh you know to paint a picture we we grew up riding with bodie and we'd see him do all this crazy shit and we had his back and it was so fun to like we were kind of like dude bodie's the guy you know he's he's our fucking good friend he's our, our friend that's a ripper and that one summer when we went up to Mount Hood, I was a, a digger all summer, and, and I think you came to to visit for a week or so. And there's this one particular time where you were hiking up. Uh, it was a, it was a hip, but you could hit it straight over. And at the time, it was kind of a hog of a hip. And uh, I remember going, "Hey, Bodie, you should you should double backflip that." And you're like, "Hell no, I'm not going to double backflip that thing." And he gets to the top, and the entire uh, digger crew just starts chanting double back, double back, like 15, <laughs> 20 of us and the whole camp can hear it. Uh, so you want to walk us through that, that day and, and that experience, Bodie? Uh, sure. <laughs> um, I, I've never been that good with, uh, peer pressure <laughs> <laughs> in uh, a lot of different aspects of life. Um, but you specifically have always been able to push my button in that and, uh, get me to do stuff that, uh, I'm not comfortable with. Um, but yeah, back, uh, I don't know, what was that? 2006, 2006 somewhere in that era. Whatever. Yep. Uh, I hadn't really done that many double backs and then they were only into powder and, uh, I was terrified. Uh, and looking back on it, the, the jump was not really that big. Like when you see the clip and you're like, oh, that looks like nothing. But back then it was terrifying for me. But I don't think the trick was was the impressive part. I think you guys chanting and getting everyone to like uprise for the show, that was the impressive part to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it was it took like two tries. It wasn't that, that hard as I thought it was gonna be. Um, but seeing you guys uh, cheering and throwing all your chairs and all sorts of debris everywhere and littering. <laughs> I think everyone broke their chair, like <laughs> throwing it had to get, you know, you guys I, I focus my chair for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was a special part, uh, to me, but yeah, that was a very special moment and shout out to the diggers, um, all throughout the years. Everyone knows high cascade is a special place and the diggers, you know, it Make sounds it like it was the crowd that really got you. Well, the entire was the camp was also watching them. Though you got to realize that we start chanting that, and there's also a, a whole slew of other people riding the camp, and everybody stops and is just locked in Focused on Bodie. On Bodie. <laughs> and you know what? He was our hero. He showed up that day. And he showed up. Yeah, that's the thing. The crowd. It's, uh, it's funny because I usually crack under pressure. I don't know. That was a fluke. Well, in, maybe in fantasy football I've seen that uh, from you. But, yeah, in snowboarding, I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you about one of our sponsors, Union Bindings. I've been running the Union Forces. They are just great bindings right out of the box. Uh, Union is a company with deep roots in snowboarding, ran by snowboarders. Um, they make great products. They make the split board binding as well, the Explorer. 
The Explorer's a dope bunny. You'll catch buds out there exploring on those things. Yes. I do like to explore <laughs> on those things. And uh, great product, great people. If you're thinking about picking up some bindings, be sure to check out Unions. Their website is live. Union Snowboard shit. UnionBindingCo.com, I believe. Might want to double check that, but get yourself some Unions. All right, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you about Woodward. Woodward Park City is about 15 minutes from Salt Lake City, just two miles past Parley Summit. They're open 365 days a year with twilight lift access for biking and shredding as conditions allow. I'll tell you what, I love a good night session up there, buds. This is a one-of-a-kind action sports community hub. Takes the whole idea of Hucket and Hope away from action sports with foam pits, trampolines, Bodie can tell you about trampolines, airbags, proprietary training equipment, and some of the best coaches in the biz up there. It's also maybe one of SLC's only indoor skate parks. Love that you can skate year-round. You can go try to be like Bodie and learn backtail kickflips there if you want. Drop in for a session or a lesson or go all-in with a monthly membership. Woodward Park City is a one-of-a-kind training facility with trampolines, foam pits, and coaching for all all designated to progression. All right, let's get back to the show. So, uh, Bodie's rides to uh, two-time rider of the year. It was a bit of a it was a bit of a rocky road, we'll say out there. It was uh, not not easy. And I remember early on um, when you were riding for Nitro, you got asked to film for the People Crew. And it didn't seem like the best experience for you. It almost seemed like you got a little vibed out. Like, I don't know. I, I've never really actually, I haven't talked about this with you for a long time, but how was that initial like, filming experience for you? Um, there was good and bad to it, for sure. Uh, at the end of the day, yeah, I it was, at that time in snowboarding, crews were very clicky, very, uh, you know, very hesitant to let people in. Uh and that crew was no exception, but uh, there there were some some good homies on that squad that I vibed with pretty well, um, and that's who I filmed with a lot of the time was uh, Gabe Larue, JP Tomich, and Filippo Crotter. Uh, loved, yeah, loved those guys, um, and we had some we had some really good times um, filming that year actually, uh, but. At the end of the at the end of the day or at the end of the movie, um, it just it wasn't the right fit. I didn't fit into the overall vibe of the crew and production uh, that well, uh, which is fine. Like I get it, and uh, and I was all hyped to build on that, and uh, I thought maybe that was going to be a building block, and I was going to do better the next year. Um, and then when it came down to it, they were after one year, they were like, "Yeah, uh, we don't." We don't want you to film with us anymore. That was pretty tough <laughs> to hear as a as a young kid. Um, and yeah, after that, that was like my opportunity. Like Nitro was like, "This is your opportunity. Go do this, um, and we'll we'll figure it out uh, from there." And uh, so when that kind of failed, uh, and I didn't have any plan or any crew to to you know hang with after that the nitro was like yeah we can't give you the the contract again and so after that i was like fuck like that was my one chance like and i blew it i was so bummed and like couldn't find other sponsors i was kind of i was getting flowed gear from various different people i got i got um 
some a GNU board, a LibTech board. I was uh, um, still riding old nitros and some random stuff. Um, and then I almost got on Rome for a sec after the World that. Quarter Pipe Championship. And this is a funny story because uh, they gave me a couple boards. And I was like, oh, sick. This is going to work out. I was all hyped. And I went to Super Park, and they were all there. And I was like, I'm going to crush Super Park and, like, earn a spot on the team. And uh, and uh, I went out, and the boards were not that strong, and I'm a huge guy. <laughs> and I broke uh, I broke two boards in two days, and then I tried to, like, I was like, yo, can I get another board for, like, last day of Super Park? I want to keep riding. They were like, no, we can't give you any more boards. Like, uh, yeah, well. Uh, think you're too expensive to hook up or something <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, fuck <laughs> it blew that opportunity too um yeah so and, and at that point i was like shit should i just go get a real job should i quit snowboarding it's not working i blew all of my opportunities i don't think i'm gonna get another one and i was just kind of bummed didn't know what to do and i i remember shortly after that i talked to you and or it was the next fall and I was just like, oh, I want to keep snowboarding. I don't want to give it up. And I was like, yo, what do you got going on? I want to like go snowboard with you. And you're like, oh, I've got the Solomon trip going on in, in Quebec with uh, Scotty and Hava. And I was like, oh, I could maybe like make it up around the area. Me and Granger might go to Shakedown. Maybe we could like link up. And, um, and that's kind of where it all started with Solomon because I met up with you guys at Battlefield. That was the first time I met Hava. And uh, we were hitting the battlefield rail, got a clip on it, and then we jumped off the wall. And I did a backflip off the wall, which made it in the Trans World video. Um, and at that point, I think you were like kind of going to bat with me too, or for me, and you were like, Hava, like, this guy's sick. And Hava's like, eh, I don't know, I don't know him, you know, that kind of vibe. And but then after meeting him and and uh, and filming with him for a minute, he was like, all right, we'll give this guy a shot. And then yeah, Solomon, the rest is history. And that was so, that was really cool times too because I remember it was an interesting time because Bodie and I were riding together and I just remember almost feeling guilty because this guy's so much fucking better than I am <laughs> and he can't find a sponsor and at the time Solomon is guilty. like is like Solomon's like on a rebuild so you know Hava had just signed Louis Parody and Jed Anderson and myself and Harrison. And they were kind of like, the old dogs were still in there. There's still Benedict and Scotty Arnold, but it was kind of this, like, it was a full, you know, new TM. And so I would be, you know, he'd be like, what do you think about this guy? And I'd always just be like, put on Bodhi. You should put on Bodhi. Put on Bodhi. Put on Bodhi. <laughs> and then he finally saw Bodhi ride, and it was like, pff, I mean, he did all, I, I didn't, he did all the work because you just had to see him ride. But it, it just was, took that it moment was of cool. Hava actually seeing yeah. him. I have yeah. a Patreon question. You talked about uh, how you're a pretty tall dude. Yes, I am big. Matt um, Schwobi One Kenobi asks, "Big man, big style too. How do you do it? I'm six three and look like a penguin out there on a board. Help me out, boss." <laughs> <laughs> um, yo, respect. Shout out to uh, the big dogs. It's not easy out there. And honestly, I don't think I have very good style. And but I do have a couple um, tips for you. Uh, while filming a clip. I do, <laughs> I am never satisfied until like I get the one that I want and I'll, I'll land something maybe like 10 times, but I'll be like, ah, I want to do it like this way or like, oh, my arm was weird or this and that. Um, and so, but that's always just 
my thing because I'm always filming and that's the way that people see my snowboarding. So like I won't run a good landed trick if it like if I don't like the way that I look. So I'm just very picky that way. And also baggy clothes help. Um, yeah, get yourself some, uh, you know, maybe size up. That'll that'll mask some uh, bad style sometimes for sure. <laughs> that is that is a fact. Huh? Tight clothes show every little yeah. good every advice. defect. Huh? It's funny filming with Bodie because what are you six three? Yep. And so like you'll be driving around looking at spots. We'll be on a street trip, and he'll be like, "I want to hit this rail, but I'm just so tall." <laughs> <laughs> like like he was gonna make the rail look too small because he's so tall. And he's literally like. And, not even. And that then you got much like taller. Nima Jalali can oh, jump true, on true. like a fifteen, and that and Nima Jalali like it looks like a thirty stair, you know. And so <laughs> it's definitely a bit of a disadvantage. I used to film with uh, Kale Zima a lot. And that, would, <laughs> that would be like the issue. Would be like hitting a spot, and then I'd like see the clips later and be like, "Ooh, that, that's a that's a Kale clip. You can cut mine." Yeah. <laughs> like looks twice the size. Yeah, you him. see Kale hit it, <laughs> then you see you hit it. <laughs> yeah. there is a difference, I guess. All right. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to add, just quick, go back and highlight what you said. I do see a lot of, you know, what separates the, the up and coming AMs and, and people that, you know, from pros a lot of times is, you know, they kind of settle for a trick, right? Where, where you look at like the, the greats, the people that do it well, like you said, I've seen you film a trick 10, 15 times. You landed a bunch of times and you get that good one where I think like an earlier, you know, earlier in people's career, they take the first one and the first time they land it and they're like, ah, oh, I think that works, which I mean, I'm guilty of doing too, but I think that's great advice. Yeah. Um, but it, it also sucks sometimes cause you're never satisfied <laughs> and it's tough when it's, when you're never satisfied, but it keeps you hungry. I'm wondering about that. Let's talk about never being satisfied. Cause I've witnessed this a million times with you where even like maybe a couple of winters ago, we, we like go build a jump and you do like a front 10 double on it. And you're like, yeah, that sucked. And I'm like, dude, I would cut off my fucking ball sack for that clip. <laughs> but you're like, not, there's no, how the, the like void of satisfaction has got to be torturous. Sometimes it is. Um, and sometimes it's not, but it, there, there's a, there's a big gap between the feeling and then watching it. Um, and then, the, yeah, the feeling that you get from watching it. Uh, so yeah, I'm so happy and satisfied when I land something that I've been, had it you know, like picturing for a long time or been trying for a long time. And it's like the best feeling ever. And then I'll watch the clip sometimes and be like, Oh, that just did not translate <laughs> or something, you know? Um, but then it goes the inverse as well. Like where you're like, Oh, that's like nothing, whatever. Like that was a dog shit clip. That was easy or whatever. And then you see the clip and you're like, Oh, that thing, that clip works. That run that that's sick. And, and that's the beauty of filming snowboarding. Cause there's so much give and take there. Um, but I feel like I didn't really answer the question that you just asked. <laughs> well, you answered it eloquently. You answered it oh, eloquently. Okay. I mean, the, you, you went down a bit of a different wormhole, yeah. but that's such a great point as well. Like sometimes you have an elaborate idea for a trick. You have this grandiose plans and you film it and you're like, damn, that was a little underwhelming. And then sometimes you film a little trick on a picnic mm -hmm. table and just right in the fisheye. And it just has a better flavor to it. Yeah. Shouts to all the filmers out there that uh, have mastered their craft because when you film with a competent filmer, they can make dog shit look so good. <laughs> um, oh, the question you asked is, is uh, what does it feel like never being satisfied? And it's, <laughs> um, I think it's a good thing. Um, I think it's a positive. That's how I look at it because then you're always striving for something better and um, you're always working towards 
perfection, but you know you're never going to achieve it. So the constant pursuit of that is actually what is um, it's what's special in that process. So if you keep chasing it, then you'll always get better. Chasing the dragon. Chasing mm-hmm. the dragon. Mm-hmm. Well, this brings us to a guest question from none other than Hava Fernandez. Here we go. Bombhole, it's Hava here. Bodie, when'd you get here? Got a question for you. Curious to know, uh, once upon a time, when we were going to a lot of spots together, you were routinely the guy that made the crew, and especially myself, kind of shit themselves with a little bit of discomfort, thinking about uh, what could possibly go wrong with the spots you were generally stepping to and the tricks you were deciding to do down them. My question is, were you aware of this or oblivious to the fact that we were all oftentimes shitting ourselves? Look forward to hearing your answer. Hope you're doing good. I hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Hava. Um, yeah, I haven't had to talk to Hava for a minute, and it's good to hear your voice. Uh, but I appreciate the question. Um, I, I don't know. Some things, I don't know. Things just seem different to me sometimes because maybe when you were shitting your pants, um, being scared, I see like the outs and like I see the way it's going to work. And for me, it's like not scary at all. And so maybe I was a little bit oblivious um, to that. And I'm sorry if I made you guys feel uncomfortable (laughs) hitting some spots. Uh, But there's also the inverse of that where normal spots for like you and Jed that were terrifying to me, like a down rail with dry stairs is is 10 times scarier than like a three-story roof drop or something. But so I think it just eats their own. Um, so I'm sorry if I made you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> That's Hava. crazy. I'm really sorry. <laughs> but I have a, I have a good story of um, a mellow double kink rail that I was hitting with Hava once where he literally shit his pants. Oh, is it Sweden? <laughs> yeah, Sweden. <laughs> Cab two. So um, not figuratively, he literally shit pants. I don't think he was scared for me at that spot. It was a, it was a down flat down where he was the only filmer and um, I was trying this cab too and I just got into it and I was like, Oh, I'm about to get it. Like it's clicking. And Hava goes, Oh no. Oh no. And just starts running (laughs) like Hava, what's like, what are you doing? He's like, "I, I, I gotta go. And he runs out of sight and he's gone for like probably an hour hour and a half like mid battle like i'm about to like land this trick and i'm just like dude are you serious only filmer like i went ice cold and uh i don't know something in the food over there but he got crazy tired (laughs) 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 i just ran into town searching for a bathroom and it was so i think he shit himself and had to like throw out all his underwear and long underwear oh, and no. like hide it in the trash can. And it was like a whole ordeal. <laughs> um, um, that was a funny story. It's, a co- it's common of a media guy shitting themselves. I've noticed on the show. Yeah. I think on those international trips, man, it's tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're eating a lot of weird foods and uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Sorry, Hava, if I just put you on blast. Um, I but. mean, it's not just, uh, media riders shit themselves. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. everybody should. Yeah, should I mean, I once had to take Bodie across the street in a uh, wheelchair because he had food poisoning. So I bad. was I was shitting and puking simultaneously <laughs> on the side of a highway on ramp in Minnesota, <laughs> and they yeah. dropped us off to the hospital at the wrong spot. So I had yeah. to put him in a wheelchair and take him through the city across the street mm-hmm. and just bring him in. And 
IV'd and everything. Like he had it bad. So it's not that just the media. Visible. True. Yeah. yeah. You can't you can't trust the guy without a good shit story. <laughs> yeah, so everybody good. poops. Man. Good to know buddies yeah. to be trusted. <clears throat> so going back to that, there's that uh, thing that Cody uh, made of, and I can't remember what it's called, but broken mechanism. Broken mechanism. And there's the famous quote from Harrison Gordon: <laughs> "His fear mechanism is broken." Uh, how do you feel about that statement? Um, I take it as a compliment that if people, uh, see that, think that, but I am constantly in fear. I live in a constant <laughs> state of fear. <laughs> I have crazy anxiety issues all day long, just in everyday life that I'm just terrified of everything. But on a snowboard, I am always scared. If it's like a 10 stair down rail to like a mini you know, 20 foot jump into like fresh powder. I'm always scared. And I think that is healthy. I think you need that fear, um, to keep you grounded. And if you can overcome the fear and, um, and get to that next level, then, then that's how you progress in life and in, you know, snowboarding and tricks and whatever you want to do. But yeah, I think fear is really good and I'm always scared. There's constant state, <laughs> constant state. There's a lot there though. I think, I think it's a bullshit way to like not take accountability for your own actions in some senses, because mm -hmm. I see it all the time and I see you work through that fear. It's like people say, Oh, Bodie's not scared. It's like, dude, I've seen you at the top of the jump and you are fucking scared. The difference is you make yourself try the double cork. You make yourself jump on the thing. Where, like, everybody else like, well, I'd love to do a front 10 double on this, but I'm going to do a front 7 because it's fucking way less scary, you know? <laughs> so I think it's it's not that you're not scared. you have It's that you have a great ability to work and move through that fear fluidly. Yeah, that's true. Um, I work at it really hard. Like, I push myself to overcome the fear. And if, and if I can't, because there have been sessions where I can't overcome the fear and I walk away and I it beats beats me up. For like ever I still like have sessions that I think about where I'm like fuck I can't believe I didn't try that I can't fucking believe I bitched out I didn't do that like and it haunts me so anytime that I can make myself overcome that fear I'm no I'm gonna even if I don't get the trick I'm gonna feel better and like yeah also the difference is him overcoming the fear it usually fucking works because he's so good. That's yeah. a, that's another factor. A lot of times, like you know, we we us normal folk overcome the fear and we land in our fucking head where, <laughs> and we're like, okay, I tried that. We're gonna go back to the drawing board. But like you, you like when you get in those fear sessions when you're like at the top of the wedge and you're like, I don't want to do a front end double right now. I'm fucking scared, you know. And then, but then you do it and you land on your feet where like not everybody has that experience. So, well. <clears throat> Thanks. Yeah, there's nothing really <laughs> to say there. What's I, the I, advice for people trying to work through their, their fear issues? That's a good question. I don't know. I, it's got to be different for everybody. It's got to be a different, you know, system and journey to, to overcome it. Um, I guess for me, I, when I specifically talking about snowboarding, I always try to find the safe spot in, in any spot where it's like, okay, I'm going to try it. But if something happens, I want to be to this side of the rail or I want to like go this way off the jump or, okay, this like, yeah, I'm going to make myself do it, but I'm going to go a little faster on this one in case I knuckle or a little slower on this one in case I, I don't know, just like those little things that you can like pinpoint where you're like, if I do fuck up, I'm probably not going to be get 
hurt or die. Yeah, this is the safest way to fuck up. Yeah, that's and I actually think it's great good. advice. Yeah, I think. I think it's a good it's a good practice to like identify where the safe spots are and. Great advice. It's yeah. calculated risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's, I mean, it's kind of corny and self-helpy, but it's like, you know, all the, in life, it's like all the growth is in the discomfort, right? And that's, that's uncomfortable to, to make yourself jump on those big spots and all that and, mm-hmm. and work through it. And, and it's also even more so too, I've seen you in these windows of confidence where you just get rolling. And I think you build on it too, right? You don't start with the craziest tricks, but you've built on it over the years, mm-hmm. right? And, and had stepping stones. Um, but that brings us to, let's talk about when you finally found your groove here with, with absinthe. It's like once, once you found the absinthe crew, you, it seemed like you found your home. For sure. And, um, yeah, I've, I've never been like in my mind, like one of the cool kids or like, um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's like the cool guys and then the kind of like the offbeat guys. And then there, there's, everyone has their little niche, niche spots, but absinthe is definitely, um, home to me and that was always their kind of motto was uh they were the island of misfit toys um and they that was like ran true a lot over the years when a when a really good rider or somebody who didn't fit into other places and snowboarding that you think that they would they would maybe find their way to absinthe and then they would be accepted and and yeah so those guys um those guys took me in and uh it clicked immediately filming with Shane and um my dog I've been filming with him Shane Charlebaugh shouts Can we give him a super air yeah. super let's air give horn. him a oh, little combo platter yeah. and a gunshot oh that's for our boy Shane so I've been filming with Shane for 15 years now um, and uh I don't think I've missed a winter where I haven't filmed with him um at least a little bit and Definitely all my best snowboarding that I've filmed in my entire life has been with Shane and he knows how to bring the best out of me and capture it well. So, um, but yeah. And then beyond that, um, I clicked with Hosnick real well too. So after, uh, after that first video part, it was kind of like a temporary thing. It was like, they didn't really know I was like still kind of, I don't know. I had this like stink on me, maybe <laughs> like stink. Uh, well, like I had blew a couple opportunities and and uh, wasn't sure where I fit in, and and uh, was like, oh, this is your last shot, last possible opportunity. Um, and so they kind of like brought me in on like a trial basis. I don't think I was fully bought into the movie. Um, and uh, but Hava um, made it happen and threw a little bit of budge at them to kind of ease my way into the crew and see if it worked, and uh, ended up getting the last part of that year so is that 12 that was um neverland never oh yeah that's never part in an absinthe movie is pretty heavy mm-hmm. endeavor right there yeah so, so talking to hosnick so you went to alaska that year no that, that was, was the 12. next okay year. that was 12 so okay, um i actually never filmed with hosnick during neverland okay and then then everything kind of exploded after neverland and then the next year um hosnick brought me up to alaska because uh, that was like my dream after ever after you know going uh, up with my pops and I wanted to go and actually like film and freestyle up there and uh, my first time going to Alaska was insane it was Hosnick me um Lucas Dabari and Nicholas Mueller Oof. yeah and, and then we were company. also kind of like 
going back and forth with uh, Gigi and Blair, and and um, they were filming, and uh, Jake Price, they were filming for 9191, and also um, kind of sharing footage for the Absinthe movie that year. Heavy hitters to yeah. kind of yeah. set your feet in AK with. Kind of the heaviest. Wild. It was the, <laughs> the heaviest of the heavy. Yeah. yeah. All right, so you're in AK, first time, Absinthe. Actually, second time, you went with your dad. You're with the big dogs. Let's hear about this experience here. I was tripping. I was shitting my pants. <laughs> I was like, what, what are we getting into? And, like, can I hang with these guys? Like, best of the best of the best. Uh, I forgot to mention um, Vole was there as well. Voleman! To Voleman. Um, and that was the first time I got to uh, see and experience the Asmo and POW surfing. Um, and watching him asthma in alaska was a trip um but yeah that was like honestly the trip of my life because i was kind of hurt all year i had a knee thing um knee injury and uh a surgery that didn't take and then i had to go back and get another surgery so all year i was like trying to film i had crazy knee pain so i didn't have any clips i maybe had a few like going into ak and that basically i filmed over half my video part in two weeks in, in ak and uh, yeah, r- learning to ride those mountains with with those guys, Vole, Nicholas, Dabari, Gigi, like everything, um, following those guys around, uh, it really bumped things up for me. And I realized like how big of a scale it is, and how um, how much I wanted to try to like take all the the crazy freestyle stuff that we would do on small things, but over there, and it, it was very eye opening, uh, and. Yeah, it was a trip. Uh, spoke with Hosnick yesterday. He mentioned that your first line down in AK, you maybe didn't go great. And then he said he remembered you taking a nap on top of the ridge. <laughs> and then after your nap, you proceeded to fuck shit up. Actually, yeah, this is a funny story. I forgot about this. Um, we were up there, and the, the crazy part about Alaska is you can only – it, you can sit there for weeks on end and not get a good weather window because they can only fly when it's perfectly sunny. And we were sitting there for a good week, like, all right, like all the anxiety's kicking in. Like, when are we going to go? And um, there's a thing called uh, drinking it blue up there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we went out one night and we got shit-faced. Um, and obviously... It worked. We wake up the next morning <laughs> so hungover, and it was Bluebird, like 6 a.m. All right, it's go time. Like, everyone in the van, we are going to to do this. And uh, got to the helipad, forgot my boots. <laughs> <laughs> Rookie mistake. Never. Uh, so I was like, fuck, I have a size 13 foot. Like, how? what am I going to do? Because it's like uh, half an hour from town. They're like, those guys are like, You're, no, we're not going back. We're leaving you here. And uh, uh, luckily, the, the owner of the op, Sean Dog, he, shout out to Sean Dog, Alaska Heliski. Um, he had an old pair of boots laying around that were, they were like 20 years old. They were, they were basically <laughs> Sorrells that were like falling apart, size 12 that I fit into. And the lace was broken on the right one. Um, basically, I just had like one loose boot without laces and one like kind of soggy loose sort of tight boot on one <laughs> <laughs> song over get up there and, and uh just 
automatically just start tomahawking everywhere. <laughs> just like, oh my god, what am I? What have I done? <laughs> oh, I'm never getting invited back here. <laughs> uh, and then we took lunch, and we sit down on top of this peak, and we're like chilling for a minute. And I just lay down, just exhausted, and I just fall asleep. And I wake up to those guys like, hey, <laughs> like, you ready to go? And I'm like, I didn't eat. Hadn't drank in any water, and I was just like, "Oh, I, I guess so. Yeah, sure." And uh, and it was like one of those long runs where there, you would stop and hit multiple features all the way down. And I think we hit like four features on the way down, and like I landed some like a I got a clip first try on every single one. Oh, jeez! <laughs> I don't know what happened. I just like woke up and and was like it clicked. Um, so <laughs> that was a pretty funny experience. Um, that's never happened to me again. I think a cool footnote for people to understand is I've been to Alaska with a lot of first timers and they get nothing the first time, the first year they're up there. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing for someone to come in and actually clip up mm-hmm. on that first trip. So I'm sure Justin and the crew was pretty hyped. Yeah, I think everyone was hyped all around. Just well, not just because everyone not because of my riding, but because of the conditions. It yeah, was all time conditions. It it had snowed like feats and feats and feats and then it was bluebird and then somehow it all bonded like well the avi danger wasn't too crazy after that much snow which was and it stayed cold and not too much wind so the conditions were just epic for for uh for like a whole week and we got so much done okay we're gonna get into a guest question this guest question is presented by vulcan buds we actually got to talk a little bit of fit yeah let's let's get nice with that fit I know you've uh, fit your pants in many spots. <laughs> Sounds like Bud's is fit his, or uh, Bodie's also has fit, fit his, his pants. pants. Have you ever fit your pants? Oh, I fit my <laughs> pants. The pants fit. What up, Bombhole? Egan Went here, coming at you talking fit. To start off with, I wear the Milanson Gore-Tex pants. These are my most favorite pants I've ever ridden in. The best part about them is how body inclusive they are. They are built to fit every single body on the mountain. On cold and snowy days, I wear the Milanson Gore-Tex jacket. Make sure I use Volcom Zip-Tech to zip my pants and my jacket together so I'm not getting any snow in my situation. <laughs> Nobody likes that. On warmer days, I wear the Dustbox Dustbreaker in brown. This windbreaker is so fucking sick. It's so steezy, nice and loose fit. Even when you're not boarding, I like to wear this jacket on the town, in the park, in the streets, you name it. Dustbox really killed it on that one. I also love the Rav Knit beanie in the rainbow colors. I love that beanie. That's my most favorite beanie. Peace out. Big love. <laughs> All right, it's time to get into a guest question from none other than Shane Charlebois. Now, I'm going to warn you. This is a hard-hitting question, Bodie. Hard-hitting. Okay, here we go. Yeah, Bodie, all those times that you've been mistaken for Bodie Miller, do you think that your career would have been bigger if you would have become a skier? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Shane always asks the hard-hitting questions. (laughs) Thanks, Shane. Love you, bud. Um no, I think he's dominated that market for so long. I don't think there was room for another Bodie in the ski world. <laughs> but, but it did maybe uh, help out in some instances. People uh, thinking that I was Bodie Miller and maybe some perks to go along with that. But it's also um, it's also screwed me over a few times as well. <laughs> uh, I remember one time, um, I think Tonino booked me a ticket through a travel agency 
when I was like super young and uh, they thought they would, they, he said Bodie Miller and I went to the airport and like showed him my ID and everything. They're like, no, you can't get on the plane. This is not you. And I'm like, <laughs> no, it is. I'm mistaken. Merrill Miller. They were like, it's too much of a difference. Like we can't let you on. And then had to buy a, a whole new ticket <laughs> just to like, and like miss the flight. It was a whole ordeal. Um, Another funny story about being mistaken for Bodie Miller was during the 2002 Olympics at Park City, um, or in Salt Lake, but they had events in Park City. Uh, this local Park City little magazine um, was doing a story in the Olympics and doing a story on Bodie Miller, and because that was the one where he was supposed to like win, he was like the top dog, and they did this huge article about him. It was like multiple pages, and <laughs> somehow they found a photo of me like front boarding a park rail at the canyons (laughs) (laughs) and like that was like the photo in the magazine like oh Bodie Miller Olympic snowboarder (laughs) (laughs) no I think my dad still has it somewhere laying around the garage backcountry Bob really screwed you with that name (laughs) what's funny had you became a professional skier that would have been such a hard road it would have been right to have Bodie Miller and Merrill like that no one would ever been able to figure that out yeah Oh. That's good stuff. A funny story. I, I don't know if this is real or not, but my dad claims that he fought hard for Horatio. He wanted to name me Horatio. <laughs> Horatio? Is that a real is name? That a Spanish name? I don't know. That's that, I, Maybe this is like an old thought from back in the day. Maybe <laughs> he was fucking with me. <laughs> but Horatio. I could have been Horatio. Maybe when they called you Hero or something. Should we call him Horatio for the rest Horatio. of the show? Horatio. I kind of mm. like that. All right, let's keep it on with the uh, rise of Horatio here. Because, <laughs> you know, pretty early on in Absinthe, when you filmed that 12 part, that was when things kind of really started clicking, right? That was, that was another ender. And I remember a specific day filming with you. We went to, you went to roll jumps, I believe. And it was spring, so you wake up late. And it was casual. I remember, like, it was a really mellow situation. So he's like, oh, we don't have to wake up early. It's spring. So we go out to these roll jumps. There's already wedges. We dust them off. And that was when you wanted to do switchback 10. And first go, you kind of, like, aborted on the switchback 10 and just did a perfect switchback 7. And then next tee, I believe you did switchback 10 first try, which is your ender in the movie. And then you proceeded to do front 7 melon, front 9 melon, back 9 tail, I believe. Yes. Is there a cab nine nose in there too or no? No cab nine. No cab nine. Yeah, but still, just think about that. That's, yeah. That slew onslaught of tricks. Uh, I feel like that was where everything really started to click for you is that year particularly. I want to hear your take on that year. Um, yeah, things did kind of click that year. Um, but my whole uh, growing up, I was, you know, a park rat obviously, and just trying to do all sorts of jump tricks and rail tricks. And, and that was kind of the first year where I felt like we found a bunch of straightforward um, backcountry jumps that were, like, similar to park jumps. And, like, so, I don't know, before that, we were always hitting kind of weird stuff, like not straightforward things that were hard to navigate and it was hard to, like, do a, a straightforward, you know, trick. But then once we, like hit the roll jumps and then a few other jumps, like those tricks just like clicked. And I think it was just muscle memory. Um, but I, I don't know. I can't really like tell you what happened or there was like a moment or anything, but that winter things just 
came easy. I don't, I don't, I don't know. No, I think <laughs> I, I love it because you see it as, a, as an outsider. I've seen people that are in that window, that window of like pure confidence and you're building. And I think when you go out and every day you film a gnarly trick and you start in November and you got, you know, freaking, you got 10, 15 tricks by Christmas probably or something. And then, you know, all through January, February, March, by the time the spring comes around, you've done so much gnarly stuff. You've trained your body to just kind of do do gnarly stuff where it becomes kind of casual. And you were in that that full just window of confidence because I remember it being like pretty relaxed, you know, it was a really relaxed session. I guess another note from that year especially was Neverland was um, not a full season. I kind of got in there late. Uh, and then the next year I was kind of hurt. And so that was the third year filming for Absinthe and – I was healthy and just obsessed. Like I, that was all I was pouring my heart and soul, all my time and energy didn't give a shit about anything else in my life. And I'm going and doing this. So from very first snow to the last snow that melted, I was trying to film clips. Um, and I never got sick of it. And I think that, um, it helps when you're trying to do all types of different snowboarding because you're able to start in, you know, October and then an end in May. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't think necessarily everything clicked, like everything became easy, but I just, the sheer volume and tricks and tries that I was able to like do that year for so long of a season helped. And that was also some other notables, you know, two song ender, um, you ride to the Gucci Mane classic song, classical, I think it's called. And you're up in AK on top of Birthday Bowl and you're singing the lyrics to the song <laughs> while Haas Nick <laughs> films 16 millimeter with your arms and it's like, ah, Gucci, Gucci. And then you front seven tail into Birthday Bowl. And that was kind of like, yo, I'm here to fucking stake my claim. How was that experience? That was all Hosnick. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that's, I, I've never like been too much into rap, but for some reason that song, that Gucci Mane song, I was bumping that all year. I thought it was hilarious. I loved like the epicness of it. And uh, I would play it when I was around Hosnick and he was so down. I was like unexpected. I was like, oh, you like this? He's like, oh, dude, we got to use this. He's not the type to like that either. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he kind of orchestrated that, that, whole deal i i remember that day actually because i i think the other riders were like why aren't we snowboarding like what are we doing and i'm just like on top of peaks like ah. <laughs> um, but it was like middle of the day and, and a lot of times in ak when you're out all day you're hunting for the morning light or the evening light and it was like middle hot part of the day where you kind of like take a chill uh break and uh yeah he was just like all right i'm gonna go to that peak over there and uh, and you just throw your arms in the air, sing the song, and uh, you know, just act it out like you're actually in the music video. It'll be perfect. I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> the other writers were probably tripping because Justin's all set up across the, yeah. the valley, like getting heli bumps over there. Yeah, dude. Shouts to Hosnick, dude. Yeah. He he's made some amazing things happen over the years. I don't think he gets enough credit for the skits mm -hmm. and stuff he used to do, like the the Roman part where the money's pouring on him and 
all the crazy vivid no one's things crazy. he's done over the years besides we're, filming we're talking a lot of years of, of filming snowboarding oh too. yeah well let's mm-hmm. hit a guest question from none other than hostick here we go what's up ethan christopher stoked you got bodie in the booth today and uh yeah i got a question for you bodie um you are pretty much the encyclopedia of all things that have happened in snowboard videos over the last two decades, maybe more. Um, and my question is, what video part stands out to you the most after all this time? I look forward to hearing your answer and, and listening to this whole podcast. Take it easy, boys. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. Um, good to hear from you. Uh, I'm a little, I don't know if he means my video parts or all video parts. Maybe do, maybe do, uh, hmm. do all video parts. Cause we have a follow up about your video part. We'll get into later. Hmm. Some- okay. Um, the one that stands out to me the most was the one that I had previously, uh, referenced was Roman's part in vivid. And, um, I think that that is my number one favorite part of all time. And it was the sheer like will and force that Roman is and all the tricks he was doing. He was going bigger than everybody. You'd see a landing track and you'd be like, Oh, he's going to jump from there to there. And then he'll, he'll, he lands down here and does a back five, like a hundred feet on like a 60 foot jump and stomps it. And you're like, what the hell this guy is insane but beyond the writing like the cinematography the editing the foresight um and all the skit stuff that justin did and the the radiohead song like all combined into a perfect video part in my eyes um so that one that one will always be you know my favorite and hits, hits home it's really interesting kind of thinking back to your parts over the years because you've you mentioned conceptualization and stuff and I think that's something that we should touch on because if you look at all the projects you've done over the year you know years you've had contrast where you film some during the day and some at night and then you have a part where you ride to techno and then you have a part where you're like painting fucking weird alien intro scene and then you're, you're doing Gucci on top of the cliffs. And it seemed like whether you're using like a Smith song or a rap song or a techno song, or there's a foresight into your video parts. And I just want to pick your brain on that, like of, of the process on like kind of curating that part in your head. Um, yeah, I think it's just like what I'm into at the moment and that's all it is. And you just get obsessed with whatever you like um, and then try to, fit that into your everyday life, which mine is snowboarding. (laughs) So um, I've always been super into the Smiths and sad music. And I've always loved, always wanted to use a Smith song. And Hosnick was always a huge Smiths fan too. So that, um, that was fun doing that. And then there was a time where I was really into (laughs) to um, uh, EDM and electronic music. And we would go to raves and, dance and that was a really fun part of my life so then that kind of poured into snowboarding as well and that video part's pretty funny where we're 
in the basement with glow sticks <laughs> dancing around. And like, I was obsessed with uh, Porter Robinson at the time. And we were, we would, uh, we had just seen a Porter Robinson show at the complex here in Salt Lake. And uh, we were just juiced on that. And we're like, I got to use this song. He killed it at the show. And I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, but beyond just being what, what you're into, I've always liked um, trying to incorporate a little more flavor into a video part rather than just the snowboarding. And, um, and then you just have a random idea at the beginning of the year, like, Oh, I'm just going to dance to glow sticks. Like, and that'll be it. <laughs> or, um, you know, I guess a lot of it's just moving with music. Yeah. Gucci. Where, do you, wor- <laughs> do you ever work backwards off the song? Like this is the song I want to use. This is the writing that I think will go well to it. Yeah, for sure. I think that helps a lot is picking your song at the beginning of the year and you don't always have to stick to it. Maybe it doesn't work. But if you have an idea of a song that you want to use at the beginning of the year, you can fit the lifeies in um, along the way. And that brings a video part to life more than anything else. And the best example of that that I can think of is TK's part in that when he uses <laughs> Travis Kennedy. Song. Yeah. And he's like doing the shotgun lifeies like all throughout it. And it just chameleonaire. Yeah. To chameleonaire. Yeah. It just, and like that's one of the sickest parts of all time. And it's not just because of the snowboarding. I would say uh-huh. seeing you with the glow sticks and all that too had that effect on the viewers too. You're just <laughs> like, oh wow. Yeah. Uh, and I've always tried to use out there songs, like not like my least favorite thing of watching a video part is like this song is I will never remember this song. I don't know who it is. It sounds so generic. Like it, this makes me feel nothing. Um and there was a there was a quote from uh Rubes one time. He was like hey, you might as well just use something that people will remember, even if they hate it, then at least you made an impact, or like at least they'll remember it. And I was like, oh, that's that's a good point. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people hate my video parts over the years because of the sh- <laughs> some songs that I use, but at least they remember it. Yeah, I love that. Techno is controversial for sure, you know, going back to that. But I love how you mentioned uh, emo music because it's like, you know, in the the rental van with Bodie, uh, that aux cord is, is uh, it can be, it can be pretty sad. It can be pretty sad in that van. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when, in, when we're in the van, I'll, I try to, you know, put headphones in or just not play music. <laughs> uh, You'll people, put headphones in if you're in Chris's van? Yeah. People don't like my choice of music. <laughs> But that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay. You I love the emo vibes. In your, in your I mean, I have some classics, but down, down deep, I'm I'm an emo kid. And sure. that sets a tone in the van. All, all this talk about music, buds. You know what it'll be time for? Oh wow! Name that video part. <clears throat> Name that video part is presented by the Icon Pass. Fall is on hand, and the first flakes of white gold are currently blanketing mountains around the world. Now, with the stage set with over 50 of the best destinations on the globe, the season of fun is fast approaching. The Icon Pass has welcomed seven brand new destinations to its growing family of iconic landscapes. So get ready to slay the scene at Chamonix in France, Lauderay in Japan, Idaho's Sun Valley, and Snow Basin. The Sun Peaks of British Columbia and Endora's XYZ. And as a reminder, now pass options have been added to the mix for 22-23. Starting at only 269 adult, the Icon Pass 
Session 2-Day and Icon Pass Session 3-Day offers a range of affordable entry points, adding flexibility and availability for riders of all means and styles to experience this family of unique worldwide destinations. Grab your Icon Pass. To do so, head on over to IconPass.com. All right, so how, how are we feeling here, uh, Bodie? Confidence level 0 through 10. Um, I'm pretty good at this game. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but I can't tell. I don't know which way you're going to go because I, you know, I listen to a lot of episodes and you kind of throw out some lobs a lot. Yeah. So I don't know if you're going to try to stump me or going to throw me a bone. So I'd be, these are lobs, but we took a bit of a different approach because um, we know you're a video uh, part buff, but you're also an actual movie buff. Uh, a lot of times we're not doing it on air because we don't want uh, you guys to tune out. But Bud's or uh, but Bodie and I tend to speak in mo- movie quotes regularly. So we're gonna run through some conventional movie quotes, and then uh, we got some regular snowboard movie. Uh, name that video part. So let, let's see how you do. Hold on, can I uh, interject here? You can try to yeah. phone a friend or something. Uh, n- no, <laughs> um, but uh, something that bothers me on the show okay. is uh, you guys give out prizes way too easy. Like, everyone's you're saying, a winner. You you're saying everyone, everyone a gets a prize. Like, if I get it's, it wrong, I, I I don't want a prize. Oh, he's gonna it's a he's, participation wow. award. You think? Because it used to be, you know, if you get it right, you get a prize. I don't know. I feel it's, like we times, give everybody a prize. I feel changed, like if I you know? miss it, then I don't deserve anything. Okay, I like that. Well, you know? uh, well, let's do that. This All one. Right. <laughs> All right, I got confidence in you here, buddy. First one. Here we go. Are banana fish big? <laughs> uh, what? Dale, don't interrupt the man when he's telling a story. No, no, no. it's fine, Robert. Um, I was asking about the story. What's this guy's deal? Well, they're a trophy fish, so yeah, they're pretty big. (laughs) That was a lob. Step Brothers. Okay, we got some lobs coming. I'm sorry, but no, I like it. He's good. With my help, he could be the best. Ace Ventura, two. When nature calls. Okay, here we go. I think Buds, you're gonna like this one. Uh, 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 fucking shoot. <laughs> McGruber. That's correct. One of the greatest of all time. Okay, here we go. Getting a little afraid. I need an old priest and a young priest. The power of Christ compels you. <laughs> oh. This is one of Grenier and my favorite joke. It's very obscure, but we walk around all the time, you know, just saying, I need an old priest and a young priest. People are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Bodie will be like trying to backtail kickflip and he'll be battling it. And like before he throws down, I'll be like, I need an old priest and a young priest. (laughs) Totally out of context. Oh, Austin Powers. Yeah. Very quotable. Okay, here we go. It's half an hour. I will see you there, or I will see you on another time. <laughs> that was very confusing. I don't know what, if you're gonna. Come no, I'll be there. I'll be there. All right, I'll see you. I'll see you then. Bye. All right, latest on the men, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Paul Rudd. He's yeah. the best. I love you, man. Um, we we love him over in the uh, in our household. I think. Monica, I think he's at the top of the list. If I wasn't in the picture, that would be that would be her go-to. She gets a oh. hall pass with he, Paul Rudd. Yeah, that's her hall pass. Did he say "Later's <laughs> on the men, Jay"? Yes. Later's on the men, Jay. Yep. And then he cringes when he hangs up the phone. <laughs> he's like so embarrassed. He blew it. Yeah. 
I will see you there. Or I'll <laughs> see you at another time. Is that the sh- where he slept at the, slept at the base? Is that the same movie? No. Uh, that is yes. That is, yep. Okay. That's when he slaps the base. He slaps yep. the base. He's a big into rush. Okay, here we go. Why wouldn't you just get another burrito, Todd? Uh, wouldn't it be dirty? Great questions. Uh, it's- <laughs> Oh, fucking burrito bandito over here. <laughs> uh, that's my boy. One of the greatest Adam Sandler movies to come out in the last 10 years. Check it out. Yeah, great. Horrible on the Rotten Tomatoes, but great movie. Yeah, that got like zero on Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. but it's actually a good movie. Yeah. All right. And then lastly, for you to get the prize pack, <clears throat> um, something tells me this is a bit of a lob, but uh, here we go. Quite the lob, yes. You picked my favorite video part of all time. Um, Roman in Vivid. Congratulations, Bodie. You earned it. You batted 100. Batted 100 on that. You got a ball roll. Uh, what's that called? The carryall? That's, oh. That's what you like to call it. Yeah, it's a call. That's what the... Oh. Thanks to the folks at Yeti. It's a carryall. It's a carryall. You got some uh, XL sweatpants. And you got an XL maroon bomb hole hoodie. I know you're a big maroon Ooh. guy. Maroon is my favorite color. Um, guy loves maroon. Wow. There's a lot of good stuff in here. Got um, some socks. And, and I appreciate the lob there, you know. Uh, I would have liked to think about it a little more, but, you know. Well, I didn't know we were going to talk about Romaine's part in Vivid for, like, uh, 15 minutes <laughs> yeah, before that. Exactly. I didn't know it was your favorite part. I just thought, I was like, let's go iconic absinthe. That was my logic. Well, um, thank you. Okay, so he truly earned that. And for the listeners that want to earn their prize pack, um, which is generally just some stickers because we've had some disappointed uh, – <laughs> Winners of the prize pack. Yeah, they get the sticker pack. <laughs> they're, they're like, like I thought I was getting everything? a Yeti cooler. You're not getting a Yeti cooler. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you're not. You're not even gonna get a hat. Yeah, you're not even gonna get a hat. <laughs> you're gonna get you, some. You're stickers. probably gonna get some stickers, maybe a keychain. So don't get too excited. Uh, but if you still want to participate, despite the uh, dog shit award, we will send you. Um, <laughs> the way to we pick our winners is on Instagram on the photo of Bodie's face uh, when we announce the episode. So leave your comment there. Here we go. Okay. I know that. Yeah, say it. We'll beep it out. It's a classic right there. That's correct. Thank you guys classic. for playing Name That Video Part. All right, let's get into some hard-hitting topics here, Bodie. Are you sure you don't want to go back and do another Name That Video Part? Let me see what else I have on here. No, I, we don't have to. I just love that game. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> you just want to keep going? <laughs> I, actually, I play it like just hanging out with my buds all the time. You do? I, oh, I, got, I try, but no, everyone's like... Up. I got I a know. random one on from an episode we recorded earlier on here. Do you want to try it? Let's see. Let's okay, see how it does. Oh, man. I know that one kind of, I think. Dang, I don't know if I know that. Oh, oh, he's no. too cocky. Oh, no. He got too cocky. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know that one. But you know you've heard it before, right? It sounds familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. Um, yeah. That's Austin and Curtis and People when he oh, cap nines that jump in Logan. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that I remember pretty- that part. I remember the music dies and it, like, breaks up and then it goes to Curtis. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. There's, like, all kinds of one-liners in there. Yep. Yep. All so, right. all right. So, now he's, he was riding high. He's Darn. fucking, he's flying a little too close to yeah. the sun there. Brought he, me back down to earth. I appreciate that. Over here, yeah. man. Appreciate that. Okay, so talking about uh, hard-hitting topics here. 
what I'd like to get into is one of my favorite stories. And it's the time at the gas station when you sprayed your face in the gas, <laughs> sprayed yourself in the face with the gas. Some Zoolander <laughs> shit going on. <laughs> that really happened. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't just like it wasn't just a little bit. It was a lot. What? Can you walk us through this? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't my fault. It was. It was partially my it's fault. I'll be honest. Fault. But it was a misfire. Like. <laughs> Classic misfire. We're in Washington filling up the sleds. And, um, you know, when you pick up the the pump or the nozzle and it's like all twisted up and you kind of got to untwist it to get it into the. And um, so I like, for some reason, I was just, I untwisted it. But I, when I went to turn it, I was like right there, like right in front of my face. (laughs) And as soon as I twisted it, it just started going off like full blast. (laughs) For real? For real. <laughs> I was in the gas station getting some snacks, of some various snacks and beverages. Various snacks. And uh, Bodie comes in, and he had just sprayed himself. <laughs> He's like, I just sprayed myself in the face with gas. And he sm- the entire gas station reeked of ga- pure gasoline. And I was laughing so fucking hard, dude. It was in his eyes. It was in his mouth. It was everywhere. The gas station attendant was so bummed. <laughs> Like it was so stinky. Like the whole, the whole dude. Store. How bummed were you though? Oh man, my eyes were burning. It was in my mouth. It was like all my. I had to throw my shirt away. I had to went into the bathroom and like washed my eyes out with soap for like ten minutes. And like <laughs> it was a freak I gasoline fighting. Taste the smell. Yeah. yeah. No, it lingered in my truck for until I sold it. It smelled like gas until it was I incredible. It. I, I'll say it was what, a freak gas Bodie's, fight. Huh? Bodie's misfortunes are some of my favorite things that have happened when I when doing this podcast. It's hard not to talk about these. I mean, there's another one that we talk about a lot that I can just look back on and, and just have a good laugh if I'm ever in a bad mood. And we were filming for Real Snow, and he had been jumping off all kinds of roofs. And uh, it was actually sidebar. We were we were in a crew. It was me and Bodie, and I can't remember who else. And then we drove by. We saw Scott Stevens and his crew who was simultaneously filming for Real Snow. And it was when roofs had just started hitting. And we drove by their van, and uh, we rolled the window down. And we were like, you got to look up. That was our motto. You got to look <laughs> up, homie. You got to look up. And then I think Stevens was like, you got to look down. We're in the sewers, baby. We're in the sewers. <laughs> sidebar. That was a sidebar. But, uh, going, I was going to say, that doesn't sound like a misfortune yet. No. And then uh, going back to the, the incident, he had been doing all these crazy tricks for Real Snow, like, psychotic things like terrifying stuff like Hava had mentioned before where you're like legitimately terrified watching him jump off these roofs and um he we were shoveling a roof and why don't you just walk us through what happened okay so it was a balcony rail where you would hit the rail and then drop onto a metal roof um and then off another story to the ground uh, but there was so much snow. We were in Anchorage. There was so much snow, and I wanted to hit the rail and then drop onto the bare metal roof, but the roof was covered in snow. Um, so we like, I like lowered myself down off the railing onto the roof and was trying to like shovel, like get the snow off. And I was on top, and I was like, "Oh, it's actually pretty mellow up here. Like it wasn't too steep." I'm like, "Oh, I got this push shuttle shovel." And there's a big landing down there already. I'm just going to, like, try to soap shoe down the roof and push all the snow off because it was kind of avalanching anyway. Um, And then I'll just jump into the big pile of snow. It's not that gnarly. (laughs) But it was so covered in snow, I didn't know there was a gutter at the end of the roof. So I, I... 
<clears throat> I go and I jump down and I'm shoveling. It's going great. I'm soap shoeing. It's going great. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, it was avalanche and I lift the shovel up and then I catch my feet. I was like about to jump off the roof and I catch my feet on the gutter. Caught <laughs> your toes. Tomahawk off the top of this roof and land on my face full in like scorpion. Scor- full scorpion. Full scorpion. From like a story. From a one story yeah. high. Yeah. Wow. And, and like, I I blew Full my, blew my back out. Like, I couldn't walk. My, like, so bad. That sounds like the type of scorpion where the feet actually ding the back oh, of your head. It yeah. Was so bad. <laughs> but every time, like, every time I'm in a bad mood, I can just think about Bodhi scorpioning off of the roof and I'm in a good mood again. Dude, imagine like, if you had had footage of that. That would be something we could just pull up and watch anytime you're in wish, a bad mood. I just wish. pop in Bodhi's one foot or one story scorp. Yeah. That's always how it happens, though. I never get hurt on the. On the big, yeah, you do that shit. gnarly yeah. stuff. It's like, oh, I'm just like shoveling the roof and I fall off or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's uh, amazing. So stupid. All right, Bodie, I got to ask: Have you ever uh, indulged in um, run through a wall smelling salts? No, I've not. I've been avoiding them. Indulged. Been interested. Okay. Indulged is great. <clears throat> well, uh, you squeeze it and then you smell it. You can go. You can ease your way up to it, or you can go full Richter. Yeah, it's just it's up to What's you. What's full Richter? Just like shoving it up your nostril? Yeah. Well, just going like, or you can just kind of like do a light like, kind of work. Your if way you up. watch Chris, he kind of wafts. Oh, this his is. Way I'll, in I'll there. give you a little technique. So what you want to do right, is you right. pop it, and you just kind of. He gently comes up oh. slow and wafts. Woo! Woo! That's kind of the technique. Yeah, you might as well go full in, right? Yeah, oh. you might as well go deep. Classic Bodie. He's going in. Oh! Whoa! He went all in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Oh. oh. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Oh, that's a strong one. Holy oh shit. my god. Oh. It's right. burning. That's how Buddy does it. Whether he <laughs> Whether he's doing a front fucking 12 double cork or doing a small salt, he's going all in. He's going all in. Speaking of going all in, this is a good segue to get into real snow. The <sighs> competition that really First of all, actually, how was your uh, smelling salt experience? <laughs> He's, over there. Really He's over there reeling. He's recovering. Um, it was intense, man. That was quite the smell. Like <clears throat> no, it was good. Smell. Are we going to have to send you back to wilderness uh, wilderness camp, or are we going to be all right? <laughs> I don't know, man. I might need to get a couple bottles of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see in about a week if I have a problem. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's talk real snow. So you... Uh, you freaking, that, I just think, first of all, that competition went, took like, you know, snowboarding was in a place of just kind of handrails and maybe a little bit of wall rides. And then all of a sudden, everybody's jumping off of roofs, flying building to building. And you were on the forefront, the foreskin, if you will, of this progression. Um, so uh, talk. let's talk about the uh, real snow experience and your first one, because it took a while for you to get the gold. Uh, yeah, first, first one I did was, well... Before the first one I did, um, I was with, uh, I was filming with Absinthe and it was Dan Breezy's first year filming um, with Absinthe and also the first year that Real Snow existed. Um, And so Breezy was one of the first people um, during the first ones and uh, I was with Breezy the entire time helping him film that Real Snow. Um, So I kind of got like a front uh, stage front row seat to like holy shit like this is what you're doing like um and obviously dan breezy doesn't do anything half ass so he went full bore jumping off everything in sight the biggest bigger the better 
Um, so that was a pretty cool experience watching that happen. And then, um, you know, the, the conception of real snow and how it blew up and obviously changed a lot, uh, for us snowboarders who film video parts. Um, shout out to real snow. I love real snow. Those, yep. <laughs> they do it right. Those guys are awesome. I forgot you were uh, a helper for Dan like that. Yep. Full frontal. Full frontal. Um, and then I think the next year after Dan won the gold is when I filmed my first one. Um, but we were still filming for Absinthe together. Uh, so I I went and filmed with uh, Gary Milton for my first one. Squarey. Yeah. Shout out to Gary. Um, hope you're doing well, Gary. Haven't spoke to you in a while. Love that guy. And uh, we didn't have any snow anywhere. And we went to Anchorage, got some good clips, and then the aforementioned uh, scorpion off the uh, roof. That's happened. what led us to the scorpion off the roof. Okay. Yeah, that <laughs> was my first circle. year of filming real snow. Mm -hmm. um, but we got some clips that I was so proud of and so hyped on that year. It just got like a cut a little short because I was hurt so mm. fucking much many of the times. Like before the scorpion off the roof. Um, the opener to my real snow that year, I, uh, I five owed a fence that was like super tall <clears throat> and, um, I got caught my leg around the, on the last, uh, like support sticking up. And, uh, that took me out for a long time. Like wow. I, it almost broke my leg in half and, uh, and like, but that's where to, to like take it to where my head was at, at that time that happened and it. I was like, oh my God, I almost broke my leg. I can't walk, but I can, well, I can still walk, but it's about to seize up and then I'm really fucked. So after that happened is actually when I got the clip, like I walked back up and was like, all right, I got to get this right now before like the pain and like the trauma sets in. <laughs> so I got the clip and then I would, I like took like two weeks off or something cause I couldn't snowboard. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, that was that year I was like, I kind of was getting hurt because I was pushing myself because of real snow, um, but didn't uh, end up placing in that one. Um, but I got, I think it was a toss up between the judges. I never like fully heard that, but normally they invite the top three back and then uh, invite more people. But I didn't make top three, but I was invited back the next year. That was kind of my consolation prize. Kind of like Co honorable mention. Couple yeah. notables though. Nose press off the roof. Cover a snowboarder. Oh, movie. yeah. You shot that, right? I think oh, uh, always, always, always shot, shot that yeah. in Anchorage. Right? We, all, we both got covers of snowboarder. Huge. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah that, that was a good trip. big one. And then uh, board slide up and around sea ledge. Yeah, that's actually to this day one of my favorite shots. That mm -hmm. was really fun. And then back 350? Back 350 on the airport rail. That was that one's like a like kind of a low key one of your heavier A grades, I feel like. Yeah, I like that clip a lot. Um, and. I, I hope he doesn't get bummed on this, but I, I don't really love the angle. I don't like love the way it was filmed. It didn't look, I didn't think it did it justice. But Which rail was this? It was, but there was only, yeah, it was. Uh, I want to say they call it like there's a name for it. It's, but it's like the airport rail. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was my only back three onto a down rail. I've done gaps, but mm -hmm. that was pretty scary. Um. Okay. And then, so going into the year two, real snow, you started to, things started clicking. Kid got yeah. a medal. <clears throat> Hooked up with um, Pat Fennell on that year. That's right. Maybe the winningest uh, real snow cinematographer. Oh, yeah. He might there. be holding mm -hmm. the most medals. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, Pat is a magician behind the lens. Makes everything look really good. 
hooked up with him uh, that year and got a third place that year. What are some of your favorite tricks from that real snow? My favorite trip of that was uh, we went to Saskatoon. Oh, that was Saskatoon. Yeah, yeah you were there. Yeah, oh. we went to the middle of nowhere, Canada, the flattest zone. And I remember we flew into the airport and they dragged us in for hours and hours and uh, interviewing us individually because they did not believe we were there to snowboard. <laughs> 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 and they, they almost didn't let us in. Um, and then they almost didn't let us out, but that's a different story. <laughs> um but you get yeah. in, but you can't get out, or you um, can't get in or out. I guess we almost didn't get out because we got busted in a water park. Oh, that's right. That we cut the lock to, walked into a water park that was closed for the winter, and that was one of the most memorable uh, clips to me. Was the board slide on top of the water slide to redirect down the pole, the support pole. Um, that was an awesome shot. Yeah, I and we really totally had to tell clip. the 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 mounties or the police that weren't mounties that we didn't. We were like, we didn't clip the lock. Yeah. It's already clipped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but that, yeah, that was an awesome trip. It was me, you, Cole Taylor. I want to say Cole and Pat. Harrison. Harrison. Yeah. Harrison, maybe uh, Dylan. Dylan Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. That was where the that Perim was, was founded, I believe, the, the Perim. The Perim. Yeah. You know, we had been told by a friend of mine who has a shop up there, Propaganda. Yeah, they deserve some errands. He had always said they got stuff in that town, but it's hard to believe because it's so flat. and. Mm-hmm. Turns out they were holding. Yeah, we, it was winch territory but that we didn't have a winch. We had a bungee, and we were, like, blown away. We are like, oh, if we had a winch, we could destroy this place. And then I think uh, after we left, Breezy came with a winch and destroyed the place. The whole trailer. <laughs> he had the whole trailer. He got the cover of Snowboarder on that huge, uh, uh, yeah. Railroad that, rail? That Railroad thing's rail. gone now. Really? That was a gem. I I we I almost started shoveling on that, and I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to get speed or get up there. It's so massive. Bunge probably would have pulled it. Though. Bunge, but you. Would, it, it was like too big to of a people. We found there. it like last day of the trip, and we we're like, I don't think we have the energy to build this landing, and so we bailed. And we were, I think we were maybe going to like talking about going back, it and then boom. Crazy was on the cover. I was on like, the cover. It was a bit of a rail beef cool. scenario for a second. I remember it could have been. No, it was right I don't in the think there of, was any beef. It was right in the middle of town, so it's I not love, like it was I a love We claimed we were going to go back, but we were never going to go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how often do you go back to Saskatoon? Yeah, yeah. It was a cool city, though. Yeah. Uh, okay, like place. next, and then oh. next real snow part <laughs> is... Sorry, that was a long... <laughs> the yeah, that was a dope trip. Gold medal year. Oh, that was really... The kid, the kid freaking really, he got the gold. I love gold. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, what, what are some notables from that? Um, Who was the filmer? That was the year where I was like, I, I think the previous years I didn't really, I wasn't committed to putting in the work. Um, and then that year I was committed to shoveling for days on end. Even when nobody else would join me, I would go in the middle of the night to set up spots and work all fucking night and just do what it needed to. Because, yeah, Real Snow is about the best progressive snowboarding, but it's also, but half of it is how hard you work. If you're not going to work hard at it, you're, it's, you know, and those big spots take work. Yeah. 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 You're going to get out what <clears throat> you put in. Maybe is that what people say? Yeah. Yeah. Sage said that. I've heard him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's, ba- what's backflip, the backflip one foot off no. the parking garage. That was the one before that was the third place. That was a year before. That's a standout clip. That is a standout clip. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that was a multi-day uh, battle that was on Christmas or Christmas Day, New Year's Day, New Year's Day. That, that was the second time going back, but anyway, year three, 
notable um, were a lot of things that I had wanted to do in the streets that I had never done um, and did them all for real snow was uh, the back rodeo to rail in the streets. Always wanted to do that. And then the one-footed Miller flip um, I had done on like a shitty log spot in Guardsman's Pass, but like really bad, but I wanted to do one like good. And uh, that that happened that That was year. on the garbage can? No, that was on the parking. It was like a pillar. Oh, the pillar. pillar. Okay. Gotcha. Was, he did a one-footed Egg is what you're talking about. Different. Yep. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was in Ogden. You got a cover on that, too. I think so, yeah. Yeah, oh, that, yeah North Salt Lake kind of. Um, and then the uh, the Wally to King Grail. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Wally to King Grail. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, that was the biggest build and the biggest uh, unknown. And that that was n- another thing. You couldn't just... It was these things that might not work, but you're going to put hours and days of work into, and then you don't even know if it's going to work. So the Wally to King Grail was on Christmas Day, right? Yes, Christmas Day. The yeah, winch talk that us stole through that. Christmas. The winch that stole Christmas. <laughs> that was it. Um, first of all, shout out to Alex Sherman. Big he, shout. That year he uh, did a few spots with me and um, and shoveled his ass off with me the whole time and helped out a ton. So shouts to, uh, to Sherm and also all the other guys. Shane helped a lot that year, Fenelon, uh, a lot of other people. Um, and Scotty Arnold, who filmed the second angle of the Wally to Kink Rail. He kind of saved the day, honestly. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we sh- we shoveled all night, all through the night, hours and hours and hours. Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve to put that uh, quarter pipe up because there wasn't much snow there. And we were, like, blocking out, like, old shitty chunks of ice to, like, build the block. Finally got it. Got there. And then Andy Wright um, had the winch, homemade winch, one of the best winches ever built. But at that point, it was old and kind of finicky. Kept failing. And, uh, like, right when we were trying to, like, get into it and um, – and we had to like do some rope debacle. I don't, it just was a whole ordeal. Cops came. We almost got kicked out. Uh, they told us to leave. We didn't leave, and we we're like, keep going. Um, what other things? Anyway, the so, cops told you to leave, and you just are like, nope. Um, yeah, I think it was a scenario where nobody called, but they uh. were like, you're not supposed to be here. I, I can't remember, but for some, I think they like said to leave, but they didn't like. But they were like, all right, we're leaving. And then we were like, acted like we were packing up and then we didn't. Um, and then I was trying it and I did it. And it, on the on the 45 angle, uh, the main angle that Pat filmed, um, uh, like it happened miraculously. I was like, oh my God, it fucking worked. I can't <laughs> believe it. And then I watched the, sh- the shot and this goes back to like sometimes just doesn't do it justice, just the wrong angle or something. But it looked like it was I was zeechting. I was zeeching. looked like a feeble at the end. Mm. And I was like, oh, dude. And he's like, no, I think it's just the angle. And I'm like, yeah, but it, like, it looks like a zeech. Like, I just want to do it perfectly square. Like, I'll, I'll overturn it if I have to to make it look exaggerated. Um, and so I kept going. And then, again, I never satisfied. So I kept going and um, went over the rail one time, riding down the metal stairs, hooked and... Uh, and cut my head open on the edge of the metal stair. It was bleeding everywhere. It was kind of scary, uh, <laughs> like ton of blood, and uh, had to go to the hospital. Spent the night in the ER. Not the night, but I spent most of Christmas Day and night in the ER. Got uh, 
a bunch of staples put in my head. I don't remember how many, maybe seven staples or a few staples. I don't know. Stapled my head up. <clears throat> and then I was so bummed. I was like, I fucking did it, but I didn't do it. That would have been the sickest clip ever. And then Fenelon sent me the mashup, like how he edited it up and where he used the front, the long lens first, and then cut to Scotty Arnold's back angle that I forgot he was even filming. And the back angle looks square and good. And that's how, and it like saved the clip. Um, so shouts to Scotty Arnold for saving the clip. It's interesting. It's just all sometimes is perspective. You know, if yep. you're in the wrong spot, it exaggerates and looks mm-hmm. optical illusions can happen. Mm-hmm. I bet some people wonder like, why have we never seen the full clip of the, of the main angle? And you uh, don't like it. I don't like it. I don't want it to be seen, but that's me. I think that's a total, uh, something we got to highlight on the pure determination of what it takes to, to do, do it big. Like how Bodie did it. Cause you know, you ended up winning and, and you're out on Christmas. You got people helping you on Christmas. You split your head open, you go to the ER, you get staples. It's like, it's freaking, it's work, man. It's like you put in a lot of, a lot of work to get to where you're at. Well, that's a big ass too. You got like four people out there all night on Christmas Eve to get mm-hmm. you a shot. Yeah. For you and, and like, filmer. And to ask everybody else to do that, like ah. fucking shouts to Fenelon for following up. He, you'd want a real snow with Fenelon. Like yep. he was a workhorse for a while. Um, Made doing shit look that. good. Made shit look really good. Shouts to him. Shane had a lot to, a big part in, in a lot of those. And um, yeah, all the people who helped shovel along the way. Thank you. So backing it up a little bit, I kind of forgot about this in the timeline. You got Rider of the Year for 12? Or was it later? Um, no, I, um, yeah, I lost, I was nominated for Neverland and nominated for 12 and didn't get, win anything for those. And then it was, uh, Heavy Mental was the first. Heavy Mental's when you got Rider of the Year. That was the year that I won Real Snow as well. Yeah. Okay. So those are those years. And then you also went on to go to Alaska and do all that stuff that year too. Yeah. It was a big year. Yeah. That's a big year. You did a lot. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. How was it to, you know, for p- listeners that do not understand the caliber of winning ride of the year, it's, it's fucking MVP of snowboarding, basically. How was it to receive that award? Um, it was incredible. It was, <laughs> I mean, it was basically everything that I had been working for since I was, like, strapped on a snowboard. And I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, and this is where I want to take it, and I want to stand up there one day. And it was like, you know, all that. And it made it more special that I lost um, two times before because I was like, fuck, like, that sucks. Like, I thought it was just maybe I chalked it up to bad luck because t- uh, 12, I was like, this is my year. Like, film the Absinthe Ender double song part. And then that that was the year I think that's it. That's all came out. Or maybe it was Art of Flight yeah. or something. Um, it was Art of Flight that year. So, like, Travis won everything. I was like, oh, if he didn't film a part, maybe I would have. Um, but yeah, so to to finally like get it was like the most special thing. I was I was uh, top of the world for a minute. It was so fun being. We were riding Bodie's coattails too. Like we go to the premieres for, and he'd have Ender and like you know all the homies would be going berserk, participating in his hype. Yeah, we were just fucking riding the wave with him. It was fun. Hmm. I'm going to ask a Patreon question because we kind of discussed you being this ATV or you get in the rails and then go to Alaska and brings you to Rider of the Year. Danielle Rittman asks, as an ATV, do you think it's better for snowboarders to learn all aspects of riding 
or continue to sub-specialize and find their niche? Um, I don't think it's better or worse. I think it's just whatever your passion is. Um, and I have no shade towards anybody who follows any sort of path in snowboarding. I mean, it's all just up to personal preference. And if you love, you know, uh, walking up the hill on your snowboard and riding down, like, fuck yeah. If you like going to rail gardens and just hiking the down rail all day, like, fuck yeah. Like, or if you just like riding core, like whatever. Um, I just think, uh, for me personally, um, I get, I don't, I kind of get bored. Like, I don't want to just do one thing all the time. And cause I'm such a crazy person about tricks. And so that's, that's where my drive is. Like, I'm not really driven by the, um, the experience or like the nature aspect or like the exercise aspect or even like just the act. I'm, I'm, I'm more, uh, driven by like the crazy tricks and accomplishing a feat that like maybe you didn't think you could do. So that's what drives me. And that's can, that can be from rails. That can be from park. That can be from backcountry. That can be like, even like as simple as a turn, you know, like a, like a powder turn. And you're like, Oh, I executed that turn perfectly. Like that in itself is a trick, like, um, entering the turn, right. And exiting the turn, right. And that's, that's like what I'm kind of working on now. Cause I, <laughs> I like, I kind of skipped some of the, um, just the basics at, at first, I feel like, um, and just chasing the crazy tricks. So, uh, I, I hope that that was a, that was an <laughs> eloquent, <laughs> excellent answer. Cause you know, snowboarding's that sport. Go mm-hmm. do it your way, you know? Well, mm-hmm. we're talking about the, the clip high, really, is what I'm hearing, too. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you want the clip, too. It's like, yeah, you, want, you want it, and there, there's more to it. You want the angle to be good. You want the clip to look right how you envisioned it. Um, you know, I, I imagine that the with those huge clip highs of, of doing these these just spectacular tricks, the highs are high, but the, the lows are low, too. Can you speak on that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you get uh, a, something in your head and and uh you get it and it looks the way you want it's like it is a drug i mean it's been said a million times on the show but that's that's the only thing you can compare it to it is uh a rush of um dopamine that is that is same as a drug uh and that's what we chase and for sure but if you don't get it it's like you can't get your fix (laughs) (laughs) is it more that you guys are bummed how it's going to affect your video part or just that you were defeated that day uh both both of it together both for sure um and that's that's another thing fun thing that you bring up and uh is it's it's not just getting a trick it's building a video part and that is uh it's always been like that's my art form for lack of a better word um but i don't just go out and try to film tricks based on the trick that i like want to do it's like i want to build uh building blocks to build up build up to like a perfect video part and that's another thing you're never going to film a perfect video part but um but each trick and spot i feel like has to complement each other in a right way to make a video part more watchable, more, um, and like get, try to make it perfect. <laughs> You're looking for that right blend. That's right that blend. spice, yeah. right? The spice of life. Now I'm curious about how you 
you seem like you're a daydreamer in how you come up because you're saying, I've been wanting to do this trick. I've been wanting to do that trick. What's your process in like figuring out these, tr- these tricks that you chase? It's kind of a funny process, but <clears throat> I'll look at a spot or think about um, different tricks that I have done in the past or have been done in the past by other people. And I kind of like just build to the most uh, laughable uh, outcome like what is the craziest stupid possible thing that might be possible and then that's my bar and then I'll like go try to find a spot to like do the craziest trick ever done and then I work backwards from there like all right I don't think that's like achievable but maybe I'll like work back to like um, you know dumb it down a little bit um, but sometimes it like it happens where it's like that was the craziest thing you can think of and maybe it and it worked mm-hmm. um but i don't i hate like going to a spot and playing it safe it's like so that's more defeating to me than be getting defeated it's like going like for example like i'll go to a jump or something and <clears throat> be like oh what are you gonna do on on this so like oh warm up like with a back seven or something and i'm like no, I would rather fall tomahawk all day and walk away with zero shots than get like a stock back seven on this. Like fuck that. <laughs> like I'd rather try the one foot double back and die and walk away and, and get hurt. Um, but at least I like tried that because um, I don't want just like a full part of back seven. You know, that's incredible yeah. thinking, particularly to something that exactly speaks. I've witnessed this. And you said I'd rather try the double back one foot and get hurt. I remember you were we were in Tahoe. You tried to double back flip one foot that uh, that tree jump that was a jacker, and you got fucked up. And I remember going to you in the landing. You were all hurt and like unstrapped. You're all laying there in the bottom of the landing and shit. And you were happy. <laughs> you were literally like. I'm so glad I get to chill. <laughs> it was wild, man. I- explain why that was your feeling. Um, I I think that might have come from a different place. I think we were having a pretty rough trip, and I think maybe I was like, "All right, oh, but <laughs> it's kind of fucked up." Uh, that's where my mind goes sometimes because I've been in that place before where I'm like having a really hard trip or like things aren't working, and I'll get I'll like daydream and be like. I could get hurt right now like no yeah like not not like hurt hurt but like I wish I like to walk away yeah like I I wish I could like get hurt for like two weeks and like go home and just do nothing and then reset um but if you don't get hurt and you're on a trip and everyone's like trying to work together towards a common goal you have to show up every day no matter how shitty you feel or how bad of a trip you're having so you know, but no how sorry you are. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that stemmed from having a bad, bad trip that, that week or whatever. Um, but it was probably also a little bit of like, cause that jump, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, fuck it. I might as well just try the one foot double back. I really want to do this. And it didn't work out, but I was, I was probably really stoked that I at least tried it rather than like landed a front five or something. I don't know. And I think, like you said, too, what I'm hearing is, like, the pressure is off for a little bit. You put so much pressure on yourself to just, you know, win, winter short, you got to get it in. And when you get hurt, it's the time to take a breath and reset and slow mm-hmm. down. Yeah, super interesting. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about some socks. Jed rides them, Jill Perkins rides them, and I ride them. Of course, you know I'm talking about Stance. If you've ever had a pair of socks with that icon logo on the ankle, then you know about Stance socks. Stance is making some of the most comfortable and creatively designed socks and underwear for the snowboarding community for a while now. Lately, their designers have been bringing the same winning formula to clothing. We're talking joggers. We're talking hoodies, hats, and tees. Toe-to-head comfort and creativity. Head on over to stance.com now and use promo code THEBOMBHOLE, all caps. Again, that's promo code THEBOMBHOLE in all caps, to save 20% off your first order. You know that socks are a great gift. Holidays right around the corner. Everybody loves socks. Anyway, head on over to stance.com. Use promo code THEBOMBHOLE for 20% off. All right. We are going to get into a Patreon question. Chris, you want to talk about Patreon? Sure. Yeah, Patreon is uh, a subscription-based platform where people can can support us on there for a monthly fee as low as $5 a month. And uh, it just helps us do this show. And uh, it's kind of like radio, you know, radio, they do like the drive to like, so we can, and it's cool because uh, we get to do this show for you guys. And, and uh, we just really appreciate all those people that support us. You guys help us do our thing. So thank you. And it gets them involved. And just like Cody Ferner here, you get to send in a question. And uh, Cody asks, what is the inspiration for letting the hoof breathe? Is it boredom, necessity, or creativity? Also, when is the mini pipe invitational coming back? Awesome. Thank you for the question. Um, I would say it's a combination of those things. It's a combination of boredom and creativity and previous inspiration. Uh, I've been a crazy video nerd my entire life. Just I just consume snowboard media um, all day, every day since I was... 15 years old, 14 years old. Um, and right when, when I first started seeing it was, um, the think tank guys, Bertner and, uh, Gus and that crew. I just, uh, Bertner's bomb hole was the last one I listened to. And that was awesome. Shout out to those guys. Um, and then also, uh, when I hooked up with you guys and started filming for, epi and running around with you guys uh you guys were also into the one footers um scott for sure you got in on it a little bit and um my biggest inspiration is from my friends and the people around me uh, so i would see what scott was doing and, and i'm like dude you're like skateboarding on a snowboard like i love skateboarding like that's my first first love like i want to do that um so that's like where it kind of started and i would follow uh, you guys around and be like, Scott would be like, oh, I'm going to unstrap, like riding down Bear Mountain or something. And I'd be like, oh, I'll try it too. Um, but, and then also it comes from boredom because like I said before, I don't want to, like, I get bummed. Like, I don't want to even do two of the same tricks in a year. Like, you know, wow. like I want to diversify as much as possible. So after a lot of, you film all year long and you're like, all right, I have a front seven. I got a cab nine. I got a double cork. I got this. I got that. Like, fuck, I, I need to film something else. Like, oh, I guess I should let the foot breathe and get like some of that going. Like, I just want to be, um, as diverse as possible. Um, that's just, I love that style. Yeah. So taking inspiration from, 
think tank and my friends and everything. Um, I kind of just stole that and wanted to take it to the world that I was com- more comfortable in was like hitting bigger features, big jumps and big street stuff um, where the think tank guys were pretty mini shred. And um, there's this quote, I forget the actual artist who, uh, who said it, but Doman said it a long time ago and stuck with me forever. And the quote is good artists steal bad artists borrow. And that always stuck with me because good artists, they will take something from somebody else, put a spin on it and make it and like grow the artistic form into something. And it doesn't take away from the previous artist. It just, it's a, you know, it, it, it helps everybody. Um, so basically, yeah, I'm, I just kind of stole what they were doing and tried to like do it my way. Um, and, uh, and I, and when I started doing it, I realized how fun it was, how much I liked the, the shots that were coming out. And I just wanted to like do crazier stuff and take it to bigger heights, to bigger things. Um, and so I kind of got obsessed with it for a minute. Well, it's interesting because, like, as a photographer, the photos look insane. So it's always cool. But I was always tripping because I think as a just a a layman, let's say, you get off the chairlift as a beginning snowboarder, it's hard at first. The one-foot riding's hard. But you always said when you're doing the tricks, they actually come kind of easy. But maybe that's just you. I don't know. But to me, just any sort of one-foot riding is very hard. Yeah, um... Actually, riding your snowboard one-footed is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's but what it is. some of the tricks happen easier than you think. Um, but, I mean, not, not that easy, but I just, I I like falling, <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> weird. Like, I will take a beating, and I think that is, uh, like, I don't think I'm that talented, like, naturally talented compared to a lot of pro snowboarders, but... I feel like my superpower is taking a beating and not giving and up, getting back up, being persistent. So, like, I'm down to stay out there and try it a hundred times until it clicks. But once once I started to have that mentality and trying the one footers, I noticed that they would they would happen way faster than I kind of uh, mentally prepared myself for. And then the clips are heaters, heaters, that, and that's the next thing. They're very impressive. And I think yeah. there's there's something to shed on that too, because there's like there's kind of like, you know, little clicks among snowboarding where maybe if you're like a Pacific Northwest like Baker dog, like maybe you like you're like ah fucking I don't do one foots, you know, like I don't fucking I don't rock, you know, some people don't rock with them straight up, and I always think it's such a cool thing to shed light on. Like there's no boundaries, like wherever you want to take it, there's no rules, like. Yeah, sure. Like I do one footers. I'll also go rip a line in Alaska. I'll also get down and mini shred a fucking picnic table or a cone, or I'll go ride a park jump or whatever it is. I think that, um, you know, to highlight that in, there's nobody, you know, I'm going to kiss a little bit of ass here, but I don't think there's anybody as far as in all the realms of snowboarding, not just like, you know, not just park and backcountry, but just from mini shredding to, to, you know, one footing pyramid, to all the, all the Alaska, like I am kind of repeating myself here, but I think you've, you've really been the one to push the boundary as far as there is no boundaries. And I, I want to commend you for that. Thank you. I appreciate that, Chris. That means a lot. 
That's cool. Because I think that's also a great outlook to look on snowboarding. I think like, you know, naturally as like snowboarders, skateboarders, we're kind of haters and judgmental. I think that's part of what keeps it a little bit like you got to earn your way in a little bit. Like you got to, like, I hate to say that, but like you kind of got to like to earn a seat at the table. You got to be, you got to be good, you know, in some ways, like there's so some judgment happening there. Um, but also, it's really cool to find the good in things, and I think that's what you know Scott instilled is like with Bertner and, and those guys. It's like they're they're looking, they're like finding what they like about shit, not like tearing everybody else down. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point, and I think not just snowboarding, but every industry. The the higher you climb in it, the more you're gonna pick it apart and kind of turn into a hater, and that happens a lot. Um, and myself included, <laughs> like, um. You know, I've definitely hated on some stuff that, you know, was stupid, like back in the day. And I'm trying really hard. Um, I'm kind of a recovering hater. (laughs) Um, You're in recovery. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like certain parts of snowboarding, you're like, oh, that's stupid. That that was a dumb trick. That's And it's like all just like, why? None of it's dumb. Why is it dumb? Like, who cares? Like, so I'm trying to, I'm over the last several years, I'm trying to change my mindset and being like, everything is cool everything is cool like it's if that's what makes you happy go do it like that is so sick i back that 100 percent. and i'm trying to even beyond snowboarding like if you want to like watch tv all day and that's what makes you happy like good for you like you know like who cares well i got another patreon question just while we're into this topic um this is from mark king how do you train that spatial awareness to be so on point for these tricks that you do? Trampoline. It was the tramp. <laughs> when you were a kid? Um, I think, I mean, I, that helps for sure. It's not 100%. I mean, some of it is um, natural talent. Some of it is, um, I think it's just a common, it's, it's, it, I don't know. For me, it was never training. Like you wouldn't train yourself to do it. It was just like you did it because that was everything that you were into. And what, whether it be skateboarding, whether it be snowboarding, whether it be, um, I don't know, all action sports and just how I live my life was always like everything was around that. So it just, it wasn't training. It was just, that's what you were doing. So maybe that. You weren't like, I'm going to go kind of train. Built it. You're like, yeah. I'm having fun. Yeah. Bouncing around on this tramp. Um, yeah. But honestly, just going out and, and doing it, like just going out, building a little jump on the side of the hill or whatever into some soft snow and just chucking yourself. And yeah, maybe you land on your head, but that's why you go build a jump in a powder. It's all fun <laughs> and it's all practice, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pivot back into some, uh, some trick nerd action. Uh, let's talk about the double Miller flip. I heard there's a wild story behind that. Um, there, there came a point in, uh, the absinthe film era where we were like really after some crazy tricks and features. Like I, I think I was always super nerding out on like the crazy tricks and the bigger, better tricks. And Hosnick would, was really nerding out on like the features and like, all right, the natural features are amazing, but like, I want to even push that envelope more to where maybe it it, it goes beyond like nature. 
Um, and I think he was taking a lot of inspiration from that one session of Gigi hitting the mountain bike uh, wooden features and stuff. And so he had an idea to go up and, and build these features and bring them up on hill. Um, and so he asked the whole crew, like, if we were going to build something and bring it up in the backcountry, what feature would you like? What would be your dream feature? And I had been dreaming about the Dubber Miller flip. And I was like, all right, I want a collapsible goalpost that we can bring out in the backcountry and like chuck ourselves into on into soft snow and he was like all right and then somebody else was like oh i want one of those mountain bike waves so we, we built like this giant mountain bike wave and i think i don't know if it, there was ever a shot on it but i think sweeten was hitting it and he almost like went this crazy roundabout like upside down wall ride to like double crippler and uh i don't think he ever like rode away from it but um, but yeah, it was a kind of a weird, uh, time where we were trying to like fuse these crazy tricks with like new backcountry features. Cause nobody was bringing features in the backcountry besides, uh, ever since like Tara Dikitas and Kevin Jones <laughs> tech, diff. Uh, tech diff. So yeah, we built that goalpost. Uh, he had a fab buddy, uh, build it up. So it collapsed and fit into a bag and, uh, we held it up to, uh, Eagle Pass Heli, shout out to Eagle Pass. Those guys have been uh, so rad, and uh, their terrain is incredible. Um, so they set that up for us in the backcountry. We found like a perfect spot, and and uh, just tried the double Miller flip. It, it actually it worked better than I thought. <laughs> Wasn't there some story where the helicopter has almost malfunctioning or something? Oh yeah, I think it might have been that day because we had a huge session. We were like pushing the envelope with light. And uh, we all, like, Heli came and picked us up, and we all got in, and Hosnick is, he's been around helicopters for so long that he was pointing stuff out. The pilot didn't even know, and he, like, got in, and he's like, hey, uh, there's a little weird noise. I don't think I've heard that noise before coming from the tail rotor. And the guy was like, yeah, it's probably fine. He's like, yeah, I think you should check it out. <laughs> and he, like, got out, and, like, I think something was wrong with the tail rotor. And so we, like uh we were like kind of racing like weather and, and light and so we like kind of like tied the helicopter down to like park it for the night and we all got out and we're like shit we might have to sleep here tonight like kind of making plans <laughs> to set up camp and and uh luckily they were able to fly out another helicopter and pick us up like right before it was like last last option um of time so we got out unscathed fascinating wow it um, been a gnarly night well i'm gonna pivot into your i'm gonna call it your opus i don't know what that word i don't even know what it means either but his best but his like out of his body of work it's the one you're most proud of your magnum opus in my opinion magnum Hmm. opus sounds like a stone like a precious stone it's a kind it is a well it is it is a precious stone you could say stony buds is also a (laughs) a precious i'm a precious stone you are you're an opus a precious Um, e-stone the reckless abandoned year UNN was your first year not doing absence and you kind of were uh quarterbacking kind of you're kind of like everything you were kind of quarterback and producing uh you know offensive coordinator you were um defensive coordinator um I don't know what any of these you're doing it all do. you were it was a, there's a lot of personnel that you're you're wearing a lot of hats so uh what was going on with reckless abandon why did you decide to go off and do your own project and, and what did you want to accomplish with that uh, I just, uh, I had been filming with Absinthe for, I don't know, 10 years or so, probably somewhere around there. Um, and, uh, just 
once once you do anything for a while, you just want to switch it up. You know, you can't do the same, keep doing the same thing year after year, day after day, and not want to change. So I just wanted, I still wanted to film snowboarding. I just wanted like switch up the crew and and like kind of assemble my own team and and uh, take a shot at at producing and directing and kind of putting together a, a project. And um, I just. I think I got really lucky and just stumbled into kind of like the perfect cast of characters. Um, and it wasn't planned and it wasn't, um, yeah, it wasn't really curated all that much. It was, I know I wanted to team up with snowboarder cause I loved those guys. I love bridges and I loved stony buds and I loved Ollie and, and everyone, um, over at, at snowboarder magazine. And, uh, so they got on board and, I was, uh, I think John Ray, I had never even met John Ray, I don't think, in person, but he had just, he was filming for the snowboarder movie, and he was like, oh, I would just, I didn't even know, I was like, I need a filmer and and an editor, like, I don't know, who do you think, and he's like, oh, well, John Ray is like, he he wants to do his own project, and he's either going to direct our movie, or he could direct your movie, and I was like, and the... Bridges actually asked John and John's like, Oh, I'd much rather do that. And then we kind of just like collided that way. And then we met and it was like, boom, we clicked instantly. John Ray shouts. He's the sickest dude ever. Love you, John. Um, love and miss you. He lives in France now. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I knew like, I just wanted some homies. It was big Solomon project. So I really wanted to get some Solomon homies in there, which uh, Hans and Jesse Paul, um, those guys came on board, and uh, Eric Leon had become just become a good friend of mine, and I want I asked him to be a part of it, and uh, and then Ozzy, my boy Ozzy, and he was uh, he came along for the ride as well, um, and it just I don't know something about that year. It was n- another one of those like from start to finish. We're going hard every single day. And there wasn't a lot of losses. And I think that's just, it, it was just lucky. Like, we took an L like 10% of the time. And uh, and a lot of that was just the vibe with the crew. Like, Jesse was on fire. He was, he had never filmed, he was filming like uh, smaller Midwest projects and was like one of the sickest dudes ever out there. And um, he he was just set to like break out on like the, um in on the bigger stage i guess for lack of a better word and and uh he was so hungry every single spot we would go and he would just be like oh i'm gonna hit this i'm gonna hit this i'm like there's no spots here he's like i'll I'll make one like (laughs) fuck it like i'm getting a clip and i was like let's do this i'm on board i'm that's my mentality let's do this um and everyone just brought their a-game and and john ray too edited it perfectly big mike did all the all the uh Graphic design, and I love the look of Zeech it, man. the feel of it. Zeech, man. And what um, happened? It was like get clips or die trying, huh? It was like get clips it was. or die trying, yeah. <laughs> and what happened at the end of that year? Uh, end of the year. Um, we had been rolling. We were like, we have a great movie. We're crushing it. Let's just let's just go all in, and we're going to go spend the rest of the year in Alaska. And... Um, and uh had this big these big plans for a big AK section and uh that got cut short um when uh I got 
buried in an avalanche. Do you want to tell us what happened that day? Yeah. Um, we were, uh, there was a, it was bustling up there that year. Bunch of crews. Bustling. Bustling. Um, so we showed up and there's like eight different crews trying to all get out. And we're like, fuck, like we kind of showed up late, last in the packing order, kind of how it works. And we were like, uh, uh, we were sharing a, a helicopter with uh, Hosnick and Absinthe. And um, so we were like both kind of like, all right, we're going to a zone where we can both work like features nearby each other, like uh, peaks nearby each other. So we were on the zone and we were just like, all right, we're, we're doing it. And it was just a classic, um, didn't, didn't notice the warning signs. And, uh, if you'd ever taken Avi class or, um, you're out there and that's like one of the a big things is like pay attention throughout the day. Conditions change constantly and can affect the snow, um, and how it moves. So beginning of the day, it was early, cold, I had gotten dropped off on this big, big pile of snow. It was like this giant rock, huge mushroom, like way, way big. And I had gotten dropped on, on it twice before. And uh, it's a tow-in, which uh, if you're not familiar, tow-in is when the helicopter flies in and can't land because there's no no landing zone. It's like a knife peak or like not big enough. Um, so they hover with like a ski in, in, the, in the snow kind of, and you kind of just jump out of the helicopter. Um, and grab your stuff and um, and then it would it was the third time I had gotten drop off on the same spot and it had warmed up a lot through the day it was like midday now and didn't didn't notice it was warming up a lot and uh, I think when I jumped out of the helicopter uh, I think there's the ski dug into the snow too much and it and the whole big giant mushroom cloud pile of snow broke off from underneath on the rock so I fell with the snow off of, um, I don't know, a cliff, not that big, but I fell off this cliff, but the, the snow, luckily the, the giant pile of snow fell before me, triggered the avalanche. So most of the snow had all avalanched off the face and I was just tumbling down like a thousand feet, just like not, no, not no, strapped, no in, board, no yep. board, no pack, no nothing. Kind of um, chasing that big pile of chasing snow. Chasing the avalanche. I was behind it. I was like wow. hard pack and I was just tomahawking down a giant, giant face. And then I was like, um, and I got to like kind of the bottom, I started slowing down and I was like, Oh, okay. I'm not really like too much like split second. Like I'm not really in moving snow. And then I didn't realize, but like a pocket like off to the left, cause it was like a concave face pocket off to the left had like late triggered and came in, uh, right behind me and, uh, took me from behind and, and buried me. Um, and I got completely blindsided by it and it pushed me in the back and I flipped over basically in the worst position you possibly could be in in an avalanche flipped me over. I was head down, uh, arms out <laughs> by my sides. Like, uh, yeah. And there was just, and I was just pretty, I think I was pretty deep, but, um, yeah, pure moments of pure panic. And then, uh, I passed out. Um, and then I came to when, uh, I didn't even come to when they unburied me. I don't know. I actually, I don't know the full story because I was like, when I came to, I was so out of it and not like all there that it, that it took me several minutes to like, kind of like be coherent. So I don't really remember like coming out of it, but I remember being on like a stretcher or like a backboard and they asked them asking me questions. 
so I don't really know if I they did CPR or whatever. I I would be interested because I I think it was more traumatic for the crew than me at the end of the day. And I've never really gone into detail with them about it, and I would like to do that. Who, I, I feel like Ollie would have the the most well-remembered uh, account of it. I know uh, they were definitely messed up by it. Um, do you know how long you were under for and who the crew was that dug you out? Yeah, I was um, – this is all just what I was told. I think I was under about five feet of snow for um, maybe five, ten minutes, somewhere in that in that um, vicinity. Um, but the crew was me, uh, Hans Midnick, Ollie Gagnon, John Ray, and Louis Paradis. And uh, it was kind of fucked up because I felt like I, well, I was like running the show. Hans had never been there. Louis was never been there. They were kind of like um, scared, um, obviously, AK. And and I was like, oh, it's it's fine. It's mellower than you think. Blah, blah, blah. Like trying to like calm them down. And then after that, I think they were like kind of, they were pretty fucked up more than I was. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think they like brought me back. And, and it's, there was so many people out there, which was a blessing because, when I actually came to and looked around, there was absent. There was full moon. Um, all all the ladies from that crew had like helped take me out. And there was like an, uh, I think like, like a ski crew. There was like a bunch of people all around. There was like all the helicopters that all pulled to like come shovel. So that was awesome. I think that helped save my life. Um, and I th- I think it was close. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I, I was. I think those guys thought I was dead when yeah, they pulled me out. I was told when you were pulled out, you're blue in the face, snow in the mouth. Not breathing, yeah. uh, body temperature crazy low. I think it was somebody told me maybe eight minutes underneath. Yeah, which is a very very long time. Six, eight minutes six to is eight, like six to crossing eight. the line six, of or too six long. or eight, six or eight, something like that. Yeah, I think if uh, if it was another minute, I probably wouldn't have come back. But I remember, yeah, I had hypothermia. I was I was shaking for like twelve hours after that. Uh, it was. Yeah, I was I was pretty fucked up for a while. Did did that have an effect on your outlook on life at all? Um, there was PTSD for sure. I remember that because um, I was at the end of the end of the year, spring, and I remember that summer we went camping in Moab, and we were like on the ed- we were like this dope ass camping spot on the edge of this cliff overlooking uh, the valley, and uh, everyone was like wanted to build the fire like right next to the cliff at night and like people were drinking and like putting their chairs like right next to this huge cliff and I like had like sort of like a panic attack and was like couldn't stand next to the cliff and I was like worried for everybody like they were going to fall off and like tumble down this thing to the point where like I just I went to bed like 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 way early and was just like had to calm myself down so I think, yeah, there was some PTSD for a while, and I, I definitely shied away from backcountry snowboarding for a while. I think the next year I didn't really do much backcountry and went more street style. And um, So, yeah, but I needed that time to reconnect and, and get through the PTSD, and, and now it's flip-flopped. The last couple of years all I've wanted to do is go back, go back to Alaska and, and uh, go back and get in – bigger backcountry scenarios and I'm like ready to tackle it again. So I'm good now. So, you know, having been a person that's lived through an avalanche that could have very well killed you, um, what advice do you have for, for people getting into the mountains? I mean, I'll, yeah, go take a class. I mean, the and learn and 
Um, I wouldn't say sh- like shy away from the backcountry. Don't be scared of it, but go out as like an open book wanting to learn and be cautious, but take into account like what you're experiencing. And the biggest thing is, is your crew is don't go out by yourself and don't go out with people you don't trust. Um, I think in all aspects of life, like the crew around you is your rock, no matter what, like, um, so whatever you do, like surround yourself with the right people. Cause those are the guys that are, uh, are going to uh, have your back. You don't want to end up uh, free based off of foils. <laughs> also in the, in the same, no, you do not in the same regard too, is, uh, you've also saved my life in snowmobiling. Yeah. So that's definitely like, uh, I mean, whatever it's, it's, I would, I, I don't know if I'd be here maybe if, if Bodie hadn't came and saved me when I had a snowmobile incident where I was sledding and I wasn't wearing the tether and I punched it up this hill climb and, and I was climbing up through these trees and I went to turn around and, and the, the alleyway closed out. There was no, there was nowhere to turn around and I was on the steep tree covered face kind of, and I tumbled backwards into a tree and landed with a snowmobile on top of me. And, and, um, I ended up, uh, basically I, I was all surrounded by snow, snowmobile on top of me, couldn't see anything, cleared the air pathway underneath my helmet, started clearing air path. And then I took one big scoop and my snowmobile exhaust was just dumping carbon monoxide directly into my only air pocket and I freaking punched my arm out and I started I could see you know I was, I could had a little bit of light but that the carbon monoxide it was fucking me up you know and and uh luckily Bodie came up there and, and turned the snowmobile off and had the wits about him to come check on me and and who knows could have been a different story so like you said good people around you you know mm-hmm. that was kind of yeah and uh that, that's like to my point and also don't don't go off and like do some dumb shit by yourself even if you are with the right crew if they're not like watching your back when you're doing things like it doesn't matter <laughs> like I almost left and like went around the corner to go look at a spot while you were like dicking around on your sled and it wasn't gnarly terrain at all it was so mellow and I was like oh Grenier's a super strong snowmobiler he's just gonna be dicking around in the trees I'm gonna go and then at last second I turn around and I'm like oh, I'll watch him do this little climb in the trees and then like, after like five minutes I was like or not it was like a, maybe a minute or two I was like he should be down right now I'm like what the fuck and there you there you are mouth around your exhaust pipe like, <laughs> like wasn't the pipe like in out. your mouth I mean it hole? was it was no yeah. it was like it was oh. like a foot away you know but the I have way a, the snow formed it I have was a like, photo of it somewhere on my computer because like after I turned off this the sled Gradner was like okay now I'm now I'm okay will you take a photo of me <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> sure well because I knew there's oxygen there's an air yeah. pathway coming yeah. in but it's, you didn't really know where it was when you got there right no. No, I, I tried. I was kind of scared because I heard your sled still running, and I was like, "Why is it still running?" But he's up there, so I like hill climbed. But like, I think I got stuck in a rut, and I I had to bail off the sled, and then I was like, I had to like kind of run up the hill the last little bit, and I was like, "Yeah." Sidebar though, wear your tether if you're snowmobiling. Yeah, yeah, wear your tether because that I would have been totally fine because my sled would have been off. Sorry, yeah, to, for the layman, the tether will. Yeah, act as safety. Yep. So, but yeah, just good mentality is that your your people around you. Luckily, you know, you had Lewif and and all those guys dig you out, and and that's that's who saved your that's who literally saved your life is mm-hmm. the people around you. And so, you know, whoever you're going out with, you know, if you're going to get spicy, make sure you got people that can take care of that. Um, mm-hmm. cool. You got to keep eyes on people. Yeah, you can't just be messing around while someone's doing something. You got to always watch. 
Yeah, it's fun to watch your homies do stuff too. And it's important <laughs> out there. Stick together. Yep, so, stick and, together, and then to, to kind of put a like a happy ending on the reckless abandon year, what happened when, um, you know, they were nominating for all the videos and all that stuff and, and, uh, and video writers year and all that shit. What do you mean? What happened? Didn't you, didn't you win roadie that year? Oh yeah. 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 Well, Rody. yeah, that was a special year. I mean, reckless will always be like one of, if not the greatest snowboard years of my life, just the crew around, around me. We were all vibing and the product that, that came of it was incredible. And then um, that was also real snow backcountry. Oh, yeah. Gold year. And um, a lot of special things happened. We got a cover that year. Snowboarder um, let me do a guest editor issue. And so just there was so many special things about that year. Um, and then, yeah, right, getting writer of the year again. Um, that, that was like the cherry on top. I gave you the award, I think. That's right? a big year. You did. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Thanks. That was good times. Uh, and then um, uh, also that year, we got to talk about the, you know, the, one of the most magical clips ever filmed, a uh, couple of them, but the two that are just completely dickered are the, the one-foot double backy that you'd been chasing. Dickered? Dickered. Yeah, I haven't heard that one. I love that. <laughs> I know, it just kind of came to me. I, I don't know. There, I, mean, I like that. I is, that a, is that a real... Word? Um, that's it's debatable. It's but, debatable. Um, I love it. I, I, so we're gonna say they're dickered. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, one foot double back. Um, been wanting to try it for a long time, and it almost didn't happen because I was I was like so set in doing an indie for some reason. I was like, it's gonna look way sicker if I do an indie. I don't want to do a, a melon, and I want to do do it more like straight wildcat style and uh, indie. And I thought like. You know, the Air Jordan split would look so so much cooler, like straight wildcat with an indie. And I tried it a bunch and I like wasn't working. I, I think one time I even shanked it off the toes and did like a one foot double front rodeo. And then I was like, Oh, I wonder if that's possible. But <laughs> <laughs> um I I haven't explored that since. But uh yeah, I think the guys were just like, dude, you're not gonna it's not working. Just do melon, it's gonna look sick. And I'm it's not gonna look sick. I'm like, it's a one. They were like, it's a one foot double back. Who gives a shit? And I'm like, it'll look stupid. Um, but that was just my mentality at the time. Uh, but they finally convinced me. I, I think Scotty Arnold was there shooting photos and John and and uh, they were like, just try it. And then it happened like second try or something. Doing a melon. Try. I don't. I don't know. It just happened quick. And uh, and I. They were like, see, and I was like, thank you, thank you so much. Like, <laughs> it was the coolest feeling, and then I looked, and I didn't think it was like you would see the foot kick as much. I didn't think it like it would be pronounced, and then on the clip, I was like, that looks way better than I thought, and uh, everybody rejoiced. It was a great day. Rejoice. <laughs> there was rejoice. It looked like you caught the last little sliver of landing when I was watching the clip again. Yeah. Um, and, and then the ender ender of the roadie. 2.0 when you got writer of the year that you know that year the last clip in reckless um is a magical one or at least in your part i, I think i don't know if it's in reckless but the switchback rodeo from board 270 out yeah i've been a big uh advocate of flips to rails i know a lot of people <laughs> don't like them big um, advocate but it goes back to just i want to try the most ridiculous thing that you can do on the spot and i don't care if it's like kooky it's that's like that's that's sick to me. So, um, I don't know. I've done the back rodeo to rail, um, on a couple park 
features and then the real snow. And I was like, I want to do a switchback rodeo to rail so bad. Like it's so different switchback rodeos. I'm not as good at them, but like it, the way that I flip them, they would come around like it would work. <laughs> um, and then I found that perfect bike spot down in South Salt Lake and Draper. And, uh, um, I think a bunch of people hit it that year, but it was like just the perfect spot, a frame up flat down, perfect amount of air and it was a wood rail, but it was painted, so it was super smooth. And um, I don't know. It, it was another thing that just like, I'm going to try it. Okay, I did one. I did a really sketchy one, like a weird flip, landed kind of on my toes and like almost fell coming out. And I was like, all right, we got something, but I don't like it. Like, that's not making the movie. And they were like, you did it. Do you start, You don't have to do it again. I'm like, no, I want to do it again. <laughs> like, I want to do it better. So I went back and somehow just flipped perfectly landed square and I landed and it, like the force of landing square between the bindings like made me continue the rotation and I just like perfectly 270 out and just like it felt like I did nothing you know when you're like sometimes you're like you do like the, no hardest, impact. the hardest thing you've ever done and then you ride away and you're like I don't did I do anything <laughs> like did that just happen like it was such a weird feeling like uh that that didn't happen, did it? Okay. Um, so yeah, that was a pretty magical moment. That was that was special. That was special. The most fucked up trick that looked the most effortless the way you rode away. It just came around touchdown landing, two seventy out, <laughs> and then you're riding away like, uh what? <laughs> yeah, that just happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unreal clip. Thanks. Unreal clip. It, well I, as you were talking, I was also thinking about uh, the road to, to, you know, one foot double backflip maybe as being the kind of the climax of, of heavy one footers at the, you know, at the time for you. But there was kind of, uh, I, I remember the summer of Bodie, you know, uh, when you went to High Cascade for a while and you were up there and you were just annihilating everything in sight and you did the one foot front flip nose grab, the, the uh, switchboard slide under flip seven, and then the back seven Japan one foot on a park jump. And I feel like the back seven Japan one foot on the park jump was like that set things off for you in that direction. Is that true or am I right in that sentence? That definitely helped. <laughs> I think a lot of it, um, it, it, it was weird. Like you don't usually think of like summer camp videos as having an impact on the greater um, snowboarding, you know, public. But I feel like that kind of, um went beyond that a little bit and so that helped for sure um but i can't take credit for that um because that was all nicholas mueller he yes i was the first one to land it and ride away but he tried it on an aaron style big air jump in a competition one year and almost put it down and it was i saw that and it was the craziest thing i was like oh my god that is insane what a psychopath um, and he did like, he came up, he landed 90, but he brought it around to his feet and he landed 90, didn't get the full seven and then like went to his butt and slid out. Um, and basically again, I just, I stole it. <laughs> 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 um, so thank you for the inspo, Nico. And then there's the magical one where you, you took it to the POW in France or Switzerland or wherever that was. Oh yeah. Shout out, uh, La Zone. Um, those guys are making a little doc about that zone right now. Uh, David Vladica, uh, he's like the main absinthe dude over in Europe. Besides Brewsty, the main he's the, the main filmer over there. 
And, uh, dude, those guys have been crushing it over there for years and years and years. They have the most magical terrain that um, you've you've seen all the countless a million jumps, and you you probably don't know that most of them are all from the same zone, and they call it La Zone. So check out that uh, little uh, short film they're making. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break and talk to you guys about the style experience, buds. Canada Snowboard is revolutionizing the big air game with their newest event, the Style Experience, with an integrated style contest component. That is the perfect combination of progressive and timeless tricks, Chris. Yep. That one is going to keep the revs high, buds. Watch the best snowboarders in the world chuck carcass at the largest big air contest Canada has ever seen in the winter stronghold of Edmonton, Alberta. It's going down in the Commonwealth Stadium, boasting VIP suite options, private bars, heated tents, a vendor village, and more. Fire this one up. On the evening of December 10th, Canada. The style experience is made possible through the partnership between Canada Snowboard and Explore Edmonton presented by Toyota. Get on your most stylish winter gear and secure a spot at the winter event of the year on Ticketmaster. Hey, buds, did you know Capita owns their own factory with their own damn ski slope right in the heart of the Austrian Alps and builds all their own boards with self-generated clean energy? I did know that. They pull hydropower from a river on site and have a slope right behind the factory. Capita has built the most environmentally responsible snowboard production facility in the world. It's called the Capita Mothership. And they make some fantastic snowboards, buds. The best boards. I've been riding for over 20 years. So I've ridden a lot of different boards. Buds, you've been riding since, what, 1406? 1407. 1407. So you've probably seen some snowboard tech come a long way. What do you think the first time you ever stepped on a Capita snowboard, buds? So good, my dog. Capita snowboards, their full line is available now for their 22-23 season at capitasnowboards.com. All right, Bodie, we got another Patreon question for you. Shouts to our Patreon members. Big shouts. This is from JP Schlick. I still think the one-footer over pyramid is the craziest thing ever done on a snowboard. What do you feel is the craziest trick you've done and is there more to come, Bodie? Um, thank you for the question. Um, yeah, the one footer over pyramid. It was not the craziest trick I've ever done, but it was the scariest I've ever been riding my snowboard. Because <laughs> up until that point, I'd probably gone half of that speed one footed. Um, and not even probably that speed two footed. But um, yeah, like getting to the jump was like the the gnarliest scariest thing i had ever done up until that point um but yeah once i was off the jump it was pretty chill (laughs) um but almost didn't make it to the jump um as far as the craziest thing i've ever done on a snowboard i don't know that's really really hard to answer um because there's like mellow things that maybe other people would be like oh that wasn't too gnarly but for me that was like really hard um because I'm not that good at, like, some of the basics. <laughs> I don't know. Like, switchback lips, like, took me 15 years to even, like, get the courage to, like, maybe learn one. And then, um, like, I filmed one on this, like, close. It was, like, a down rail with a fence at the bottom where you had to, like, pop out perfectly early. And that was, like, I bailed a ton on it. And I just was so bad at that trick. 
I don't know. That comes to mind as just like one of my favorites, but that's a personal one. I don't think I was like the hardest or craziest. I love that because it doesn't jump out at you as like a Bodie, you know, like ender ender trick, but it's really cool to hear that the, that clip from that was in your real snow too as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and as far as the one footer is concerned, I, I believe Stony Buds took a photo of that. And where did that end up? Um, that was the cover of Snowboarder Mag. Woo, yes, it was. Mag. It was a horizontal shot, too. That's Those rarely get covers. Mm-hmm. Horizonte West? Yeah, Horizonte West. How was shooting that thing, bud? Uh, I'll tell you what. You had to be on, on your game because after he hit it, he had all this talk about doing this and that and hitting it again. And after he hit it, he's like, I hope everyone got that. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> and it was because yeah. of How the How many running, tries right? was it? How many tries was it? Two. Okay. To, also, for the listeners, they need to know how you tested the speed because I think that's super interesting. I straight aired it once um, to get just know where I needed to start um, to drop in from and uh, cleared it fine. So it was just a straight air. And then I went into it with one foot strapped in to like, I knew where I needed to start to clear it, but I started like halfway down from there just to try to test out the speed one footed. And then I would go a little bit higher and like, see if I could uh, actually hold my shit together going that fast. And then I did one speed check from where I knew I needed to start from. And once I got to the flat bottom, I fell on my back and slid um, just because I couldn't like actually stop <laughs> one footed going that fast. And then, and then I just <laughs> kind of went for it. And as soon as like you get like, ha- like, cause it's a long downhill running and then a pretty long flat. Um, and then there's one point in the flat bottom where you're like, all right, this is it. Like, I cannot turn back. I can't stop. I can't do anything. And you're committed, but it's, like, still a good uh, amount of time until you get to the lip. So it was, like, that was that chunk of time, that fraction of a second was, like, maybe the scariest moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you got to go so fast is because there's that long flat, and yeah. that's what makes it mm-hmm. crazy. And it's mm-hmm. steep to flat, too. Yeah. It's a compression. It's, like, super yeah. steep. Paul Mitchell compression Paul session, Mitchell if you compression session. Yeah. Do you remember uh, what else happened in that session with Ozzy? Do you remember what he did? Yeah. Oh, a side note, we did this uh, session way too late in the year, and on the knuckle of the jump, there was about uh, an inch of snow on top of dirt and rock (laughs) like it was like not prime conditions but i had been like just trying to do this trick for so long i was like this is the session we built the jump we're fucking doing it and actually you can see in the shot like um you can see like the the dirt poking out on the on the landing tracks when i'm riding away um but ozzy hit it uh and also maybe compression maybe compressed yeah off the jump but he caught his toes and he did the craziest superman air i've ever seen to penguins i was like a hundred foot just he looked like superman (laughs) flying through the air and luckily he cleared it because if he didn't he would (laughs) be fucked yeah um and he didn't over rotate the uh the superman and he landed on his stomach and did a perfect penguin slide down the landing um and it would have i think he would have been completely unscathed if there was snow mm-hmm. but he got all tore up because there was only an inch of snow and so when he penguins lived down his stomach i think all like the rocks and the dirt like like fucked him up he was one <laughs> and done like, one and done what a king what a session uh we also yeah. have signed prints available right yes, we do we got prints for you guys that are going to be going on the net as on the who calls it the net? The When's net? the last time you've heard it called the net? What do you call it? 
the net was like uh, like ninety eight <laughs> people were calling it. I'm gonna go it. surf the net. <laughs> I guess I still surf the net, bro. Okay, we got them available on the net. I like it. Let's bring that back. Yeah, uh, uh, we got that dot, as well as a net. rail shot. Yep. We got a yeah. plethora of shots Seems for you guys of Bodeman. Thanks for those prints. Still, yeah. also, how do you find Will Smith during a snowstorm? I don't know. You I look, don't know. You look for the fresh prints. <laughs> wow! Yeah, the fresh there he is. I actually looked online because I thought that would be a cool name for a print shop. And someone, fresh someone already has it. So it's bet. already taken. Such a good name. They have an Instagram and yeah. everything. Wow. Okay. A couple other things to cover. We've been going for a minute here. Uh, we got to talk contrast. And in regards to contrast, I happen to have a guest question from none other than longtime home skillet of yours and all around legend. Eric Leon. Hey, what's up, buddy? It's Eric. Um, I'm calling because I had a question uh, for our listeners and our viewers. I wanted you to maybe paint a picture of what it was like to snowboard a season at night filming for Contrast. Yeah, Contrast was a wild um, venture that we took on in uh, in hindsight, we could have done it a lot better, but I was pretty hyped on what we did that year. And thanks for the question, Eric. Um, one of my best buds. Love you. Um, but yeah, we snowboarded a lot at night um, and a lot of powder at night <laughs> in the middle of, I mean, we tried to go like kind of deep in the backcountry, but like when it was that dark, it's, you know, it's kind of it's pretty scary to go deep. <laughs> Like, so we were going a lot of side country behind Brighton, Guardsman's, like some hiking zones. Um, and we figured out, uh, we tried to start with headlamps and they weren't bright enough. And then we figured out that um, bike lights, night bike lights that you uh, attached to your handlebars were super bright and like good spot on. Um, and we would duct tape them to the sides of our goggle straps. And once we figured out the tech, it was like a spotlight, like you could see everything. And I was like, we were pretty, pretty confident and comfortable, like hitting stuff. So we actually hit some like pretty decent size jumps. I think we hit like a 60 foot jump at night, like in the pitch black and like some step downs in Grizzly Gulch that were like some classics, but it just brought them to life because it was at night. And then, um, oh, the rail stuff was easy. Cause like you gotta, I don't know, a lot of rail stuff is done at night, but yeah, the backcountry was a trip. And then probably one of the most memorable nights of my life was with Eric and my dad. Um, my dad works, uh, is a ski guide for Park City Powder Cats. Shouts to Park City Powder Cats. Great guide. I've used his services too. Yeah. You, know. you used his dad? Yeah. Um, they cool. have some incredible terrain up there and uh, they always got fresh snow. Um, and they brought us up at night in, in the cat and it was a trip. My dad was like falling asleep at one point like what what are we doing up here i'm like oh you signed up for this like <laughs> let's do this and uh yeah they brought us to some sweet terrain at night and parked the cat and uh we jumped off some cornices and rode some like six spine lines and um god there was this there's this one photo where i switched back five off a cornice um i love that photo and t-bird shot t it t-bird shot it and it's one of my favorite photos of all time and like the streaks you can see like the arc of because we were we were wearing um 
we've, we figured out if we wore headlamps on our legs and turn them to different colors, like green or red or, or whatever, it would like the long exposure photos, it would like turn out sick color streaks across the photos. And, um, yeah, that's one of my favorite photos to date. Shouts to T-Bird. Bird boy, flying any weather. Um, <laughs> any weather? <laughs> I believe it's Birdman Daddy flying any weather, but Bird Boy is a little He's better. He's Bird Boy. Yeah. yeah. We got to ride a private cat session in the middle of the night, pitch black with uh, with my pops and, and Eric, and that was an insane night, special night. And Bodie says middle of the night. We were getting done at like 4 a.m. Like those were some nights. I feel like that's yeah. you, you're on Bud's schedule. So you're on his <laughs> average. Was, you're on his daily grind. When yeah. you're up there at that hour of the night, it's crazy. And when weather moves in, like at one point we had to like just stop hiking. You couldn't even do anything. Oh, when it was snowing. Super, yeah. When, when we were like taking snowing. all those lifeys with the lights. Yeah. Like, it was just wild. Doing smiley faces. Somebody rode Tuscarora, right? Yeah, these guys. Yeah, me, Eric, and Randy Randy Van Nerden, the killer. The one thing that just boggles my mind is it's pitch black. There's a cheese wedge in just a field of darkness, and you see these guys with all kinds of lights and shit dangling on, and Bodie comes through and rips like a back rodeo seven, and he's like, I don't even know how the fuck you see where you are in the air. It was like full. You did a one-footed three off a big jump. Yeah. Just no problem in the dark. I was thinking about uh, that photo for a print. Dude, I didn't make it. Hyped on that photo. Yeah, yeah super good. I, I mean, I love, I got to commend you again on kind of just conceptualizing something and executing and, and always kind of looking for that, that next, um, that next thing. One other next. clip that, that's really cool that we got to talk about. It's like really subtle, but talking about very simple things like the beginning where you guys switch from daytime to night, mm-hmm. you're riding during the day, you do a nose press on a table, you hop on front board on these tubes, the camera spins around, and then it goes to darkness, and you do a switch nose press. Who came up with that idea? Um, I had the idea to do a shot where you transition from day to night. Um, so the overall idea was mine, and then uh, Paul really brought it to life. And that, that one clip was a product of like 12 hours of like work. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, we were trying to, we were thought about doing it. Um, yeah, I was just like, Oh, we'll just do the same trick in day and night and you can just cut in the middle of it. And he was like, oh, it's probably not going to line up. And then, so he had the genius idea to turn the camera, um, in mid trick and like the, the turning of the camera and blending it from day to night, it like matched up so perfectly and seamlessly. Um, so yeah, I, but we didn't know like what was going to match up and what wasn't like, if he was going to be a little bit ahead, if he was going to be a little bit of behind, if I was like, my arms were like different or like, you know, sometimes I just didn't even make it to the end of the, <laughs> the rail or whatever. So I think we filmed like, we tried to film as many as possible. We've probably filmed like 30 makes in the day and then like another 30 makes at night and like hiking pretty long ways the whole time. I was like, but I don't know. the same thing. had this like idea and just wanted to bring it to life and wasn't sure how it would work, but came out insane at the end. So thanks Paul. You, when I was out shooting with these guys, you'd hear them throwing ideas back and forth and conceptualizing. And and then you see that clip and it all came together. Mm It's awesome project fuego del scorch it's fun to fun to shoot photos on Bodie's project like that because it was something special something that you can you can't really get riders to go mm-hmm. up and shoot till four in the morning in the backcountry and can't get photographers to. Yeah. <laughs> so 
Thank, so you was, were with us pretty yeah, much that it was entire awesome. winter. It was that like was awesome. Making that a fun, special project yeah. was cool. And I look back at those photos, and I won't have the opportunity to shoot oh. stuff like that, you know? Well, it yeah. helped that we didn't leave Utah. Yeah, it makes it nice. Yeah. Um, sidebar. Were you were you waiting for buds? Because we talk about this show a lot on the tur- the turkey trot scenario. The old turkey tros- trot scenario. I, I, I want to debunk the turkey trot scenario because we've talked about it a lot. Um, were you the one that was waiting on the turkey trot? Um, I was on. The, it yes, was a free ride day. I was on the phone with him when the turkey trot. Uh, <laughs> The turkey trout excuse came to life. Um, excuse. That was his excuse to me. You know, T Bird finally moved into my neighborhood, and one day he called me and he was like, It's real. <laughs> There's people running oh past my, my house. Yeah. So, I, and then I filmed it one year. It was funny because there was just a period of time where it wasn't always like that, but I feel like it happened so many times in a row that it became a thing where every time I. We'd call Eastone to shoot. There would be some sort of like thing would go wrong or like some last minute thing he forgot about or something in the way or this. And he would, he missed like a bunch of sessions or was late to a bunch of sessions because of like these random excuses. There are turkey trot scenarios. And then the the icing on the top was. uh, The trot. I'm like, why can't you come? He's like, dude, there's a turkey trot going on in front of my house. I literally can't leave. They won't let me pull out of my driveway. I'm like, that's not a thing. Like, they, they can't. They can't just block off your house and not let you leave. Like, uh, apparently, it's real. They do it. How it many? Comes. How many Cubskies you guys got together? I can't even. I couldn't tell you the number off Two. the top of my head if you Two. include international and stuff. Oh, I international. Know. I don't know. Snow. How many? How many? Like uh, two snowboarder. Like uh, like. N- not international, but like trans worlds and snowboarders, like big dog covers. And I could only get snowboarder. You, have, you, you had snowboard Bodie mag profile, so you snowboard have mag. between all what the you got like six Oli and four snowboarder and covers. Um, four snowboarder covers. Two, yeah, two stone, two Ollie. Um, trans world covers. Some covers. Trans world buyer's guide cover. I don't know. Trans world Japan snowboard mag cover. Snowboard mag. Oh, that's right. I don't know. Guys swimming in covers. Guys swimming in covers. Uh, he actually has the face that killed print. I don't know if you're aware of this. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's me. Yeah. It was the issue that put print out of business. Yeah. Slush mag, I know you're back in print, but if you want to go out of business, put me on the cover. <laughs> I got you. It was uh, the last issue, or I guess when they're back now, but when they went originally. It was it snowboard? Was, it was snowboard mag, and it was a uh, profile of Bodie's mm-hmm. face. They took a big risk and put his face on the cover. Yeah. And then, bam. Bam, done. Face the killed print. All right, we're going to do a quick deep dive. We're going to dive back in. Put the fucking snorkel back on. Here we go. Um, so, you know, we kind of briefly breezed over the fact that you you had to go to rehab at a young age. And, and a lot of our, our listeners and, and just humans in general, a lot of them battle with, with substance abuse and and be it drinking, drugs, et cetera. Uh, do, do you have any advice for people that, that are having a hard time on that journey? Yeah. Um, being somebody who's battled with uh, drug abuse and substance uh, addiction for pretty much my whole life, um, I would say I used to kind of internalize it and and make it uh, – try not to think it was a big deal and not like uh, – um, ask for help really um and uh i i always thought like oh i could do it on my own i can do it on my own i can do it on my own i can do it on my own 
but sometimes there comes to a point where you can't do it on your own. And, um, and that's when, I don't know, it, it is really hard to ask for help sometimes, but if you can actually ask for help and get to that point, it, people are there to help you and especially the people around you. I mean, everybody's got somebody in their corner and, uh, yeah, you need to lean on them, those people, uh, from time to time. Um, so yeah, you're not the only one <laughs> we're all dealing with, with, uh, with our demons. Um, and also I would say having an outlet, um, that isn't just partying or, you know, falling into those traps. Um, snowboarding was mine, skateboarding also. Um, and then if, if you find an outlet that is healthy for you, and then that leads to uh, a, a community, um, and that goes back to leaning on people for help. So I think, uh, you know, community outlet and uh, not being by yourself. I don't know. I And I, it's weird because I did go to that therapy program, wilderness therapy, and I went to that um live in um rehab place uh but i don't feel like they helped me i didn't i don't feel like i really got the help that i needed until uh i found my community and was able to lean on the people around me and that's why i think that's super important um and if you don't have access to a community that you think you can lean on then then you can there there are places you know there is uh, other outlets, AA, um, hotlines, all that, all that kind of stuff. I know you went to AA and you had a positive experience. Um, so I'm, there's multiple routes you can go, but yeah, I think the general outline is just finding, finding the community. Yeah. That's, that's powerful stuff to hear. And, and just to kind of highlight again, what you said though, it's, it's really important because uh, again, the internalization of, of thinking you're the only person going through it. Like chances are looking around, half the people around you are also going through it. So it's good to, it's good to to know that you're not alone. I, I love that. That's uh, something that we found with the show and the listeners. They've they've let us know that it's comforting for them to hear. And and I also I even want to go back to to what you said earlier that that was really special too. And I love you breezed over it, but you said, you know, I always felt like I I didn't belong in snowboarding. You used the words like I didn't fit in, and and I I mean I think that's going to be really powerful for for our our listeners to hear because here you have freaking this guy who's won everything there is to win in snowboarding and and is you know had a great career and he feels like he doesn't you know fit in uh, or whatever and and I just I just think again that ties into the same thing of like you know talking about things and making people feel realize that they're not alone in those feelings yeah definitely um I mean most people and in a lot of different situations feel like they don't fit in even the guys who are and uh, the people who are very outgoing. Um, so, yeah, there's always every, – everyone's going through the same thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, good point. Awesome. Well, man, those are some wise words, Bodie. Appreciate you sharing. <clears throat> um, we're going to get into hot takes, a staple of the show. So we are going to ask the Michael Jordan and or GOAT to you, you know, greatest of all time to you, how it pertains to you, both male and female, who you got? I like that you reworded this question instead of uh, who is the goat because I used to <laughs> talk or I think used to think about this a lot when I would hear episodes. I'd be like, "There is no goat." 
the fact that you're asking this question means there is no goat. Um, but no, I, I, uh, um, but I actually forgot to think about this. Prior to the <laughs> <laughs> I always watch the show and think about this. I yeah. forgot to think about it. And then this. I forgot to think about it. And who, the, the fact that is there is no goat me. is actually uh, a Louis Vito. So that's an unacceptable Yeah, what do you mean answer. there is no goat? You can't dodge it, though. I'm saying you got to give us a name. Um, well, the goat to me is, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can answer this so many different ways because I am such a nerd about different types of snowboarding. There isn't a overall goat. I feel like there is my favorite powder rider, my favorite rail rider, my favorite this and that pipe, whatever. Um, and I'm dodging the question. You're fucking dodging, dude. I'm so dad sick of the dodge. I'm dodging. You just need a fucking name. Oh, I want it. I like everybody. Oh, everybody's great. <laughs> everyone's oh, so good. Everybody's out there. a winner. Everyone's worked so hard oh, for yeah. it. All right. <laughs> that could um, only be one. I'm gonna go with Teradakitas. All right, great answer. Okay, good answer. Good job. Yeah. Okay, like that. There's uh-huh. one down. And um, you know what? Even though it may be kind of controversial at this time, um, given that he's been canceled, I'm gonna go with Nicholas Mueller. Dope. I knew you were gonna say that. You knew it. I could feel it. I could feel it in my loins. You just feel it. The loins were speaking. That's a great to you, answer. Huh? For the snow, yeah, snowboarding's sake, I I don't know. He's my favorite. Dude, he Kay. rips. I mean, geez. Okay, most underrated. Who you got? Most underrated, I would say Ozzy Henning. Woo! Great fucking answer. Steel or powder? Powder. Best style ever. Um, for rail street guys, um... Or girls, I would say Desiree. And <coughs> Kuzik. Um, Desiree and Kuzik are my favorite styles in snowboarding at the moment. Um, for I'm just gonna leave it at that. Good I, answer. Dope. When I when I used to watch um uh Kuzik have jump shots and he would just like wouldn't move in the air and he would land so flawlessly and just ride out straight like nothing happened. I was like, damn, I wish he jumped more. Best board graphic ever. I'm going to go with the original first year Salamander. <laughs> Holy shit. I drew that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Props, buddy. Dude, that means Chris is the best artist in snowboarding. Yeah. Is that, is yeah. That going? Yeah. Fucking, I guess. Wow, just, Chris. I guess. Well, it was me or Jed. We each yeah. had one. So uh, which one? I was kind of in it, and uh, like I saw it come to life that project, and it was like, it was just so pure and like childish and fun, and I just loved that board. Wow, boy, um, that's both of them were honor. good. Honor, that's an honor. Yep. Okay, uh, best snowboard video ever made. Ooh. Um, my favorite snowboard movie is Decade, because it was the first one um, that I got, and I 
literally wore the tape out, rewinding it so many times on VHS. It stopped working. Stopped working. So I guess that would be like the one closest to my heart and uh, best of all time. Um, I'm just going to throw, I'm just going to say Art of Flight. Mm, the Shard of Flight. Good choice. I mean, for the time and the tricks <laughs> and the cinematography and every, it was larger than life. It's true. Yeah, Shard of Shard of Flight, great movie. You gonna say that when T. Ricky comes on? Yeah, Shard of Flight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. my close friend T. Ricky. Your close friend, your good buddy. Yeah. Um, just unblocked my number recently, so that's pretty good. <laughs> he finally took <laughs> you yeah, off block, yeah, huh? Just, <laughs> okay, if you go heliboarding with three people, good times, ripping turns. Good times. Who are you taking? Um, I would say no cameras, but like you probably want a camera there for fun. Um, I'd probably take uh, my dad. Backcountry B. And I would take uh, my lady, Monica. Glad you said that one. Yeah. Could have been bad if you didn't say that. Um, And we'll just throw out like a, like a random wrench in the system and we'll go uh, Big Mike. Big Mike. Wow. Kind of a random crew. It is. That yeah. is a very random crew, yeah, but I'd yeah. like to I'd like to see the footage that comes from <laughs> that. Yeah, big mic in the mix. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh first try go to step down backcountry clip. Trick. Like you're getting to a pat down, you know you can land it. Go to. Um switchback five. Worst trend in snowboarding. I guess is that a trend? Hating on hating's always been a trend. All right. And it's Constant a bad trend. trend. Constant it's trend. a bad trend. All right. Worst trend in ha- is hating. All right. Hating on other parts of snowboarding. They're all cool. Okay. That's a great answer. That's good. Uh, last thing we we're going to ask, you know, one one huffer. Uh, we got to talk beaver slap. You you uh, you, you an <laughs> is advocate? That one, is you that know? a one hoof trick? You know, you got the huff out. That's the really only time you can go, <laughs> oh, do a beaver yeah. slap. Um, sure, yeah. I, I, I think this question is, is funny. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't bother me either way. Well, it's actually, if we don't ask it, people get pissed. We've oh, really? Just, yeah, yeah, we've it's got just, yeah. it's I, I've been known to slap the beeve a little. Yeah. All right, buds. We almost missed it here. We did. We almost skipped over the best part of the show. Oh, oh no. He spilled pub beer all over himself for the listeners. <sighs> pub beer. If you're going to get hammered to get some pub beer, do it responsibly. Here we go. It's cheap. It's fun. Let's go. Welcome to the pub beer crap shoot. Roll that dice. We'll tell you what you got to do. I love rolling. Roll some them dice. bones. Big CeeLo fan. We got a what? Goon Gear six? six. We got an eleven. Eleven. If you had to be Siamese twins with one person in the industry, who would you be picked pick to be stuck with? Definitely not you. <laughs> Don't blame me for that. <laughs> <laughs> this guy shut the. He's like, he's like shut definitely the not up. anybody in this room. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, Eastone would be fun. Eastone, <laughs> you're so tall. Oh, he's so hard. Actually, no. I, you got some weird habits and stuff. I don't think I. It would be fun for a minute. Um, anyone in the industry, I would say. <laughs> you got Dude, some weird. You got, you got some weird so habits. <laughs> you got some weird habits. I don't know. I don't. Know. There's stuff that goes on behind the scenes that I don't. I don't want to see. Yeah, some flashlights <laughs> rolling out from the of the couch. <laughs> anyway, keep going. Um, let's see. Uh, Harrison Gordon. Wow, I that's think, actually. I think that's who I picked. That's the yeah. correct answer. I think. 
Yeah, I think that would be chill. That'd be the chillest choice. He's mm-hmm. the chillest human around. Yeah, so chill. no matter what went on, it would yeah. be good. Be fun. Okay, we got. If you had to be attached, we got to talk about. Um, we got to talk about your project, man. Yeah, we got a new one in the works. Space Cadet. Yeah, so last year we worked on a new movie, and um, our good buddy Nils Midnick, shouts to Nils, uh, me and him uh, created this movie uh, called Space Cadet, and me and him kind of directed and produced and rode in it, brought Shane Charlebaugh along. He filmed the whole thing and helped direct it, and uh, our good friend Cody Rosenthal is is editing it. Um yeah, it's it's a lot different, I would say, than um, my past snowboarding. I try to tap into more like the free riding and, and linear snowboarding. Or yeah, non-linear or linear? I guess both. I don't know. I've what's, always what's been like a snowboarding. I've always been like a one-hit wonder. You know, like mm. I, like there's been some times where I'm riding and do some turns and hit one thing, maybe two, but like. I try to do more pillow lines and we were up in BC a lot and like you might not see all the crazy one foot tricks or you know wild stuff but I'm pretty proud of the snowboarding that we did it's it's uh it's 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 good I think uh people like it and beyond the snowboarding we did um a lot of storyline plot and other filming that I'm really excited about um that all pertains to being space cadets and uh, this is this is a uh, board that I designed for it. Um, I did it a year early, and then we paused the uh, the video project for a year. So this came out last year. But this uh, spaceship, um, my good friend, our good friend Chris Kelly, is an artist, and uh, he works on commercial movie sets and stuff like that. And uh, he built this spaceship, and it's like five feet tall, and um, we put it on the on the board, but in the movie, we're going to be flying around in the spaceship, and, uh, and we got, like, a cool plot storyline for it. I think people are going to like it. So um, I actually uh, wanted to sign this and leave this with you guys. This oh, yeah. I love that. For you guys. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's hanging in the office. That'd yeah, be that'd be awesome. And um, Bombhole Media Powerhouse. Oh, Whoops. Oh, toys. Toys are falling. We got a Huck doll falling off the wall there. J.P. Walker. Oh, J.P. Dang. I remember these Dang. things. These things are sick. Dang shades. Dang shades. Um, yeah, so uh, Bombhole Media Powerhouse is uh, our media partner on it. And um, so uh, it will come out on Bombhole's YouTube probably not too long after you hear this episode. Yeah, check it out. I haven't got a chance to see it, but I've heard I've heard your enders also super heavy from people. There's oh, whispers. Yeah, people, people are whispering. Whispers in the streets. Yeah. I'm excited to see the side plot stuff going on. The acting. <laughs> it'll be a little sci-fi, yeah, makes a little yeah. snowboarding. Sci-fi in there. I'm a big sci-fi fan. You guys take that spaceship to Uranus, or yeah. where'd you guys take that thing? Uh, we went to uh, Beyond Uranus. Oh, you did. Oh, you yeah. guys yeah. went right beyond <laughs> yeah. Uranus. Yeah, yeah. We went to the outskirts. The out- <laughs> Would you say you went to the outer rim? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we might have blown through the outer rim. <laughs> Yeah. Love blowing through the outer yeah, rim. Sounds like buds in the uh, <laughs> mid mid show break earlier. Yeah, blew through the outer rim there. But it was fun trying to actually film stuff beyond snowboarding, like uh, actually conceptualize like a plot or like kind of a little storyline that definitely got condensed in the editing room because we're not very good actors. But 
I don't know. It was <laughs> it was fun making it, I, and it's. I think people are gonna laugh. How fun cool. was it filming the skits with Shane? Yeah, Shane's so, like yeah, that's what he's born to do. I think. Yeah, he he was awesome to work with, uh, especially especially in the green screen shots were pretty fun, and uh, yeah, um, he killed it on the skits. So how did Nils do? Did he put on for his city out there? Yeah, Nils kind of put on the 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 kid does not fall. I felt bad for him actually <laughs> having to film with me all year because we'd be like at a session and we'd like hit a jump and he'd land like three things in a row and I'd be like, all right, I'm going to need another two hours to try to uh, battle this one <laughs> trick while I lose my mind and you're getting hypothermia sitting up there. So I apologize. He's such a good trooper. He's though. a freak, dude. Oh, yeah. he's so, he's positive. Fastest and he's kid like alive. A, yeah, fastest kid alive. He he's never great, falls. Great you team. know what, though? Let's cut him down a great little bit. Riding partner. I don't know if you've ever seen him shoot a basketball, though, but uh, it is horrendous. So just gotta, I just got to take him down. <laughs> we got to focus on the we points build him to up. take him down. Yeah. We build him up just to take him down. Well, he's the fastest kid alive on a snowboard, but he's actually pretty slow in real life. In real life. Yeah. I actually forgot we have one guest question left. Let's do it. Uh, this is from none other than Scotty Stevens. Let me find this thing here. Okay. Here we go. I'd like to do a sidebar that it took him about five tries. Uh, we had to cut out some of them. were about two and a half minutes of, of rambling. Just oh, couldn't, geez. Just couldn't throw a question mark at the end of the question. <laughs> just kept, yes, I love just kept this. going. But I, I, uh, I, we, got the, we got one good one. So uh, here we go. <laughs> hey, buddy. What's up? It's Scott. Um, I have a question for you. Uh, what is your favorite trick you've ever filmed? Second question is, what is your most proudest video part you've ever filmed third question would be what is your favorite skate trick you've ever filmed and last question would be <laughs> what is your favorite tramp trick you've ever <laughs> ah, have fun out there i'm excited to listen <laughs> you got any uh, more questions bro <laughs> that is psychotic thank you scott <laughs> um shout out to steven's he is one of the biggest inspos to me and many others out there on the boards. Um, well, I kind of already went into some of these questions earlier, but I'll, I'll, I'll maybe, um, I'll maybe uh, change up some answers just to like kind of diversify a little bit because you know I'm also all about diversification. Uh, favorite trick I've ever filmed would be. Um, we'll, we'll go way back. We'll go way back to the front board on the library ledge. I kind of forgot about that. That kind of, uh, at, at, for the time period, it was like really, it was a, it was a major feat for myself. I feel like, um, so we'll go that and then favorite video part. Um, I kind of touched on reckless and pepper. But then I'll, I'll go heavy mental was pretty monumental for me. Um, that's kind of when shit really kind of escalated. And so we'll go heavy mental. And then what was it? Skate trick, uh, tramp trick, skate trick, tramp trick. Um, if you guys haven't seen dancing in the dark, oh, great, um, edit. great edit, great edit um, that we did full barrack style at filming at night tramp edit. Um, it was me, <laughs> Scott, um, Beresford, and I think so, there were some other cameos, maybe Granger. Were you in there? Uh, I can't no? tramp skate for shit. Um, and that was also the edit that 
maybe we lost Mike Mo forever. So yeah. I apologize. Um, <laughs> I think Mike Mo literally quit filming after that. Because <laughs> of that. Uh, uh, the if anybody's ever filmed tramp skating with a fisheye, you're literally just going up oh. and down like this, and it's uh, it'll make you wish you were never born. You yeah, just, for hours. Yeah. Um, so I would have to say just that whole, that whole edit, like we kind of went in on that edit and it was like pure tramp skate idiocy. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't say a single trick, but there was a couple that were, I was pretty hyped on the back 350 actually was like really hard and pretty cool. And there was a lot of like different variations. I don't know. Um, we'll dig up some of those. Yeah. Those are, those are fun. Uh, and then uh, last tramp skate. Oh, skate trick. Skate trick. Um, when we were going in hard on Rose Park, we were filming these not another Rose edits, and um, and well, we we filmed for not another Rose, and then I think Scott was gone, and then he came back and he filmed like a one point five, but like we weren't there or mm -hmm. I wasn't there or something. So then we filmed like another one. And I was like, I went in purely for Scott because I wanted to like, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like this is an, an ongoing theme on the show where a lot of guests film things and do things just for Scott Stevens. As a friend, <laughs> he's, our, he's our biggest cheerleader. Yeah. Um, and go, like I was listening to partners and he's like, oh, I'm just going. I'm just filming for Scott Stevens. Now. Like I don't care about anybody else. And there's been a lot of stuff where I'm like, Scott would love this. I'm doing this for him. That's so cool. Um, um, the hardest thing. Oh, it was there was a couple. There was the feeble oh, back shit. one on the sea yeah. ledge. Good choice. Um, and then. There was, it was ugly as hell, but it was like really, really hard for me. I did a back tail kickflip big spin and then I feebled the down rail. Mm -hmm. um, and then front tailing the handrail. That was like a big milestone for me. I've never like really been a handrail guy, but I tried to. What about a know. three flip lip? Oh shit, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I did a 360 flip lip slide. That was crazy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> On the bump to rail at Rose Park. Yeah. I think Frozen Bogart filmed that. Yeah, Frozen Bogart. He was yeah. Frozen Bogart. He would crook that thing like a son of a gun. Yeah. I hope you're doing well, Bogart, out there in the world. Okay, Bodie. Well, I think we freaking did it, dude. I mean, You know, one thing I want to cover is you. Got, he asked what your favorite tricks are. Um, I feel like we heard about type 2 fun. You guys, some of these tricks are so hard, it's like type 2 fun. The ones you did recently, maybe you're not going to remember as your favorite because you haven't been away from them long enough. Mm -hmm. And then you get to enjoy them at a video premiere, and you're like, God, that was great. No one yeah. knows the 40 tries or it's 100 so tries. or And it's all era dependent, too. Like some some tricks you like better just because it was in, like, a golden era or yeah. something. And like, There's a reason And why. I totally forgot. Like, I was skating so hard over, like, uh, at the end of COVID because we didn't have anything to do. And we would just go try tricks for hours and hours and hours with Scotty Arnold, like, <laughs> um, and did, and like skated, did some of the best skating tricks of my entire life. I totally forgot. About so you guys done a kickflip, like backtail kickflip. No, pretty, I haven't. You haven't? Uh, no, I've been chasing that dragon my whole life. I thought you landed <laughs> it. No. You landed on him. Nope. Never have. Really? But one that was like, I never thought was even a trick that I'm super proud of was the fakey Smith kickflip. Oh yeah. That was mm -hmm. like, that was, uh, Chasing the dragon. Cool Your whole life. Chasing the if dragon. If we're talking, um, do you have more tricks are you trying to do? I still have tricks on my hit list that I'm scared that I'm never going to 
accomplished. No, I, at, at a certain sold. point, they're going to go I've let those, the other way. I've let a lot of stuff sail. I'm just, trying to keep, oh. I'm just trying to tread water at this you point. You let it sail. Yeah, I'm I just, can't let them go. There's I'm, some ones I, I'm still chasing. That's just going to end in disappointment. See, I'm more, I'm, I've gone, I've taken a little bit more of a Craig Kelly approach. I'm just more like, I just enjoy it more yeah. than mm-hmm. I used to. I think uh, that's a great approach. Um, all right. So we're pretty much there. A couple things left. Uh, again, be sure to check out Space Cadet uh, and their their voyages to the outer rim of Uranus. Also, <laughs> um, world premiere. I mean, I'm sure you'll see it online before this comes out. On the net, if you will. On the net. But uh, November 18th, uh, mark your calendars for the world premiere in Salt Lake City. Um, When's your birthday? Oh, oh yeah. It's uh, November 15th. Okay. Yeah. Is that when this comes out? I don't know. I don't know when it comes out, but that's. I just knew your birthday was sometime in November. When's the world premiere? The world premiere of Space Cadet is November 18th. I think you said this came out on November 16th. Okay. And cool. that's on the World Wide Web? It's on actually the on the net. On the net. It's mm-hmm. on the net. That is a World Wide Web. Yeah. <laughs> They're the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the World Wide Web. Okay. America Online. Here we go. So, uh, last couple things. Setups. What board are you riding? Uh, <clears throat> break um, it down. This last year, uh, I was on the Solomon High Path a lot, which is this new board um, that was built by Nils Midnick, uh, Victor Davier, and Wolfgang Nevel. And uh, it's a new uh, all-around freeride, freestyle board that um, I'm really liking. Um, and then the Solomon Hall, or Solomon, uh, not hologram, it's <laughs> it's the Highlander. I always, I always get those confused. The Solomon Highlander, best mining I've ever ridden. I think it's the lightest one on the market. Soft heel cup, shadow fit tech, um, once you go shadow fit, you'll never go back. That's what they say. Check them out. Um, do you do anything special to your setup? Yes. Um, I just take the bite off the edge. I don't go full full round. Um, and uh, I turn my heel cups to try to match my uh, heel side edge. And then boot boot tech I do a lot. So I read the, the 32... Uh, team two wides and first thing I do is rip the whole interlacing system out I hate that um, just more bulk and shit that you don't need and then I run the double boa because I don't like laces so I don't got time for that um, and then yeah I well also I, I always heat mold them break them in and then I I tighten the top of my boot and leave the bottom completely loose wow a lot of stuff. And you got a colorway with 32, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this year, I think it's like a blue and yellow. It's kind of like some trendy, cool colors. I like Sick. it. Sick. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it for the setup. Did you say a stance width for such a large gentleman? Did you say I run uh, 23.5 or 24 inches wide, 18 front, zero back. Mm. About... What two was, inches setback. What was your max stance width when it was like the golden era? Oh, the golden era. Me and Granger would like have competitions of who could T-bolt their boards wider. And uh, I feel so bad for like Tonino and the Nitro guys because we would just ruin boards like T-bolt. Like you would do a shitty T-bolt job and then it would just snap the nose off like immediately. We went through so many. But <laughs> that was a weird trend. Um, 26-ish? Or? Shout out to, to Milo Sport too. These guys have always had... 
our back, my back, um, and let us use all their tools in the back and T-bolt and fuck shit up back there. Uh, but we T-bolt all our boards at Milo. And I think a maximum is like 26, maybe 26.5. It was crazy. I sense. think 26. I got long ass legs and I'm no, tall. for sure. That's a monster. But I'm I'm like 24, I think. Maybe 20. I think 23.75 is like the perfect sweet spot. <laughs> for someone of your stature, makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, and then sense. lastly, before we, we wrap this thing up, we always like to ask if you want to throw any thank yous out. Yes. Um, thank you to you guys for not giving up on me and um, just everything you guys do for the community. Uh, Chris and Easton asked me pretty much the very first week the show started <laughs> to come on the show, and I've been avoiding it ever since. Um, but, yeah. So, and uh, just thank you to all my friends and family, everyone who's uh, stood by my side, my community. Um I love everybody in my bubble, and uh, thank you, snowboarding. Um, it's given me everything and given me a healthy, positive uh, path to go down in life. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Perfect. That's just perfect. Love it, uh, Bodie. Well, we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, I want to say thank you to you for coming on the show. Thank you to all of our listeners. Everybody that tunes in, we really, really appreciate you guys. And uh, we got another episode coming at you next Wednesday, over and out from the bomb hole.